Oh boy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Landy Lodge, where today we're talking about Final Fantasy 16 and some of the ancient wisdom embedded within that game. Uh, our guest tonight is Andy Brew. You know him, big friend of the Lodge. He's dropping in here pretty often, but without these beautiful sages of the Lodge right before me over here, we wouldn't be able to pull this off. So a lot of love and a major shout out to them before we get today's episode going. We're talking about a lot of things. We're going to be talking about the biblical influences in Final Fantasy 16, some of the Greco-Roman influences in Final Fantasy 16, Carl Jung's uh, influences on Final Fantasy 16, and we'll get into some Hero's Journey stuff as well. But again, there was so much inspiration and influence in this game that I felt it was worthy of a podcast to discuss it and bring it home. So without further ado, allow me to welcome today's guest, none other than the great andy brew andy what's going on dude how's it going good i am here in the lodge ready to talk about final fantasy 16 uh post ff16 i should say uh now that we have both ran through the game at least once there is got some things to talk about <laughs> dude i mean again I, i've been saying it kind of as a joke but i also mean it that last podcast we did ended up aging quite well and you know we made some yeah. story predictions here and there but we also kind of talked mm -hmm. about some of the symbolism we thought the game was alluding to and we yeah. ended up being you know quite on the money with that kind of stuff too now I, I said a little something in the intro for the audience but i did mention that you are very 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 knowledgeable in christianity and that this game in particular has so much biblical influence so i figured maybe you could kick things off get us started what was really the first thing to jump out at you or perhaps oh, maybe the the thing that hit you the hardest in particular oh man well i think there, there's two different things there for me so the first thing that and i guess we just we'll just jump straight into it like yeah, i don't okay, have so anything by the way, let me just one more. yeah like the biggest spoilers, spoilers. You can yes like, like the biggest the this is the spoiler podcast of all time of all so time. like yes um yeah so i think so one of the big ones for me uh this actually this is one of the first thing that really caught my attention and so you know like i tend to catch more of this stuff on a second playthrough but like there was just some stuff like on my first playthrough that I was like, it's just so obviously like, mm -hmm. there's such an obvious Christian influence here. And the first thing that hit me was right before the time skip. Um, it's after, and again, spoilers, after Sid's death uh, and Joshua shows up while Jill and Clive are unconscious and has this encounter with, with uh, Ultima. And that's whenever you kind of learn a little bit about Ultima or you learn who, the, I guess, the, who it is, you know, that we saw come out of the crystal or, or not come out of the crystal, but, you know, who, who it was that was there. Um, and it's really crazy because it very much the whole scene reminded me a lot of like, I guess, like it, it was kind of it kind of reminded me of like an interaction between like Jesus and the devil where Joshua is obviously Jesus and um, Joshua actually, the name Joshua is actually like the um, what, like an English uh, iteration of yeah, Jesus, like right? So we, yeah, yeah, Yeshua, Yeshua, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. 
So very, very, very Long similar. Notes. Yeah. Uh, and so um, that whole scene of like, it's like Joshua is interceding for people he loves the most. And in the face of the evil one, right, in this story. Mm-hmm. And the moment where, and this is such like, this is so God, it's crazy, right? But like Joshua, you know, he says like something like, you know, I won't let you, you, you have to go through me. I won't let you lay a hand you on them. And he, my brother, my brother alone. <laughs> Yo, gave me and, first time, second oh, time, dude. third time. Oh, I mean, me, even like whenever he in, uh, encircles Ultima in the flames, Ultima's like, these are not flames of destruction, mm-hmm. you know? And obviously that's alluding to the fact that Joshua is the phoenix, right? Death, rebirth, as we have talked about here, a, as you have talked about. He's a creative yeah. spirit, like Phoenix mm-hmm. is a creative spirit in the way that Ifrit is a destructive spirit, which right. is why you see them fuse later in the story. And we'll we'll get into that a little bit more later, but... Yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, I mean, so the Bi- the Bible talks about how, like, you know, Jesus, you know, he has eyes of fire, <laughs> right? And so, but it's not like a, it's more of like a compassionate, mm-hmm. like, you know, not a destructive fire, you know. Um, the kind of fire and, that cooks your food, something that brings right. Something, it's brings a fire forth. It's a fire that doesn't destroy you, but it makes you more refined. But in this case, right, Joshua encapsulates Ultima in this this flame. And what does he do? He actually absorbs Ultima into mm-hmm. himself, becoming the vessel for Ultima. Because Clive, Ultima wanted Clive. Right. Clive as the vessel. And that's how I see uh, the devil, right? Where he's like, he wants to destroy people. Well, he wants <laughs> to here- use humanity as, as a vessel yes. as a whole, right? Right, right. He, as, as like a vessel to basically just destroy people. Because at the end of the day, the devil, he manipulates. I believe he manipulates and he dest- and because he wants, he wants to hurt God, so he's got to hurt his kids. That's mm-hmm. basically what he does and what I believe as a Christian. So Joshua takes on the vessel of Ultima, right? And he says, just try to reach my brother now. And I was like, oh, and you can, you can see the blood come out of his mouth too. Like as he, as he takes in the vessel and it's so, such a parallel to like, you know, if you want to even just see Ultima, maybe not as the devil, but even as sin, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And Joshua he's takes a fallen on, one. like even when you get down right. to the base of what he is, he's this mm-hmm. alien whose home was yep. destroyed, and so mm-hmm. they had to pillage another planet to kind of get their way of life back. Like he is yeah. a fallen one, you know, following yeah. that same archetype. Yeah, and you'll see kind of. So it's Second Corinthians five twenty one. It says, "He who knew no sin became sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus." So that's talking about, Paul's talking about Jesus there, of course, right? He knew no sin. He never sinned. He became sin. He took sin on himself, just as Joshua took in Ultima so that Clive would not have to bear the burden and quite possibly the the pain and the suffering of being Ultima's vessel. So let let me ask you, what's going on here, Mm -hmm. like you're saying, 
with Joshua bringing on Ultima and Christ becoming sin in that way. So yeah. is there any parallel to like the uh, the part in the Bible where Christ has to walk through the desert alone and that's where he's confronted with the devil? Yeah, it's yeah, that's people. Matthew 4. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. like I, see, yeah. I see a number of parallels here with that. Oh, right? yeah. Because he came yeah, here yeah. alone. He didn't come mm -hmm. here with Yote, right? Yeah, yeah. He So like, yeah, that's... uh. It's it's interesting because there's there's two in the Bible. There are two different uh, places that Jesus goes in terms of like temptation. He's 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 brought into the wilderness, and then the devil brings him up onto this this high place, and he shows him like, oh, if 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 you bow to me, I'll give you all these things of the world if you worship me. And then Jesus says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Right? It's mm -hmm. it's only him that you serve. Um, yeah, Joshua shows up alone, and that's very interesting because Joshua, for the majority of this game, is alone, mm -hmm. you know, and he has, he has, he has Yote with him, but Yote was not there when he went to confront Ultima. He mm -hmm. went by himself. Um, he, and I, and it's also just, I guess, the nature of, I feel like, the nature of the phoenix in final fantasy 16 or i guess the characteristics right because every dominant has you know the dominants very much align with the characteristics of their icon mm -hmm. where oh yeah clive oh the the rage the vengeance but also the desire to see change and justice joshua the compassion right he could have he could have so he took Ultima on himself. Um, Jill, the, you know, the, uh, whenever she went back to the Iron Kingdom, you know, she was as cold as ice. Yeah. Those well, she had to be cold hearted, right? She had to, like, exactly. in a sense, hollow out right. her heart. The stoicness. Were, yeah, exactly. Because they were using yeah. her as a weapon. Because if she didn't yep. comply, they were just going to slit the children's throats in front of her. Yes. You know? Yeah. So all, all these, um, all the 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 characteristics of the dominants very much line up with with their icons and with the phoenix and i and i love the contrast between i love that there's specifically two dominants of fire like that's what our two dominants of the same element is in this game because ifrit is like pure destruction the phoenix pure resurrection right it, it it's it's the it's the flames of destruction versus the flames of of being uh refined and that and uh and you see that just with how Joshua interacts with people with like even with Ultima like yeah like he's he's protecting his brother but like he's like you can see that the love that he has for his brother and Jill is greater than the hatred that he has for Ultima uh yes. and it, it reminds me of a very uh i don't even remember who said it but it's a pretty famous line of like you know a soldier doesn't fight because he fears what's in front of him a soldier fights because he loves what's behind him and mm. that is that's joshua too well, and i feel like that that fits right symbolically because mm -hmm. clive was always about wanting to be joshua's shield right yeah not, not being right. a sword mm -hmm. figuratively speaking mm -hmm about being a shield defending something that's behind you not like aggressing or you know seeking forth something yeah. destructive or combative mm -hmm. as a sword as opposed to like again symbolically as a shield but that's dude yeah. that's 
God, there's so there's there's so much I want to get into. But yeah, I also don't, Spe- you're specifically also kind of right now, so I want to keep you on your flow. Yeah, sure thing. I mean, that's yeah the big the big thing in all of that is like Joshua took on Ultima as a vessel, held Ultima in for years, and then dude, we know what happened at the end of the game. Like they all they got all those Ultima vessels right. They got they brought Joshua and Clive and that was it for joshua like and i feel like i feel like i don't know i feel like joshua probably knew that like at some point he was gonna die like i think he knew he the whole time the whole time the That's moment what, that he took ultima in and every time yote tried to help him or cure him mm-hmm. or something offered him help he was like yep. nope give it to yep. those who need it i'm not long for this world you know right which is funny because there's a very similar thing with Jesus when he's talking to his disciples. You know, he said he's he does he prophesies like his death and his resurrection, and the disciples have no idea what he's talking about. And even and even Peter's like, I won't let you lay a hand on them. And he and Jesus is like, Get behind me, Satan! Like that, like this is the will of the Father that I I have to do this right. Joshua, he had to do that. So that Clive would not become the vessel and gave up his life in the end. Uh, and it's funny because it's like, you know, in, dude, like in the back of my mind, it's like, okay, I, I have a feeling where this is going, you know. But it, when that scene actually happened, when Clive is holding Joshua in his arms, oh my gosh, dude. I, I cried a total of four times. During FF sixteen, times can you point out the four times? Yes, the first time was the Torgal side quest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before all of like the Wait, all of the one? other finale, one? the one where they go back home and they go on the boat, they go back home, mm-hmm. and you know, Clive's like, "Oh, you were looking for me the whole time." Very wholesome, mm-hmm. like brought me to tears. The other three times were in during the finale, like almost. Oh wow! <laughs> like just bang, yeah. bang, bang. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, I think, oh, dude, I think I almost cried when Gab started crying at the end. That, got that almost me. got me. That, that, that almost got me. That not only got yeah. me, it brought me, because, like, Gab is, you know, yeah. he's the silly goose for so much of the game. Sure. And, like, it just yeah. snapped me where I'm, like, smiling as they're hugging goodbye, like, yeah, he's my boy. He's my yeah, boy. Yeah, then yeah. he just, like, starts crying. And dude, well, also, I, like, I whiplashed. I whiplash. Yeah. I would just like suddenly got emotional because if you recall earlier in the game and you're on your doing his side quest, do not oh, do okay. side quest. Okay. I was gonna yeah, say yeah. earlier in the game when you thank him for like I, I believe it's when he sniffs out Benedicta for you and you go oh, up yeah. and thank him and he, he goes I'm really not good with goodbyes, man. Let's not do this. Oh, I don't. Oh, I forgot about that. Dude, yeah, yeah and only for him to I cry was... at the goodbye at the end of the game. I was like, dude, Gav is such a good character, dude. Well, I was thinking in more because uh, what I was thinking was like you do a side quest right before, like, uh, you go into the final battle. If you do the side quest that has Gav in it, and it's like he's talking about how like, you know, I don't know if I can like follow in your footsteps. Like, I don't know if like I could be the one to like, you know, take over like 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 what you and Sid have done, and then like you know that's kind of like Clive passing the baton, right? And it's like it hits so much more when you do the side quest. But yeah, that got me. Dude, this is like um, side quest the game. Like you, oh need, yeah, you, need you to gotta do, do them. Quests. Yep, that got me. Uh, Joshua's death. 
Um, and just them, like, just, like, kind of Clive, like, looking, like, having, like, that flashback sequence or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that was good. And then, but, dude, the one that caught me the most <laughs> was Jill at the very end. Dude. When she's looking across, she's looking on the horizon, and the sun's coming up. It's the dawn. And if you've done the side quest mm-hmm. at the end of the game with Jill and Clive, she literally says, like, you are, like, my dawn essentially like and oh dude like (laughs) and that doesn't like the dawn always comes right right. which is but right which is also you know slight parallel here but like to be you know just as the sun rises every morning the son of god rose from the grave so like the dawn always comes there's light at the end of the tunnel so yeah those were like those were all the times that i recall the permanent economic advisor <laughs> um, to the Dalmatian but yeah there's government. i mean to give him his full gosh you can go in a so many there's so many things in this game uh that, good friends, another big one we that we to can talk about that portion. and and um, share the is it's it's a similar it's a similar theme very similar lines to joshua but it has to do with clive and you get this really beautiful scene after you encounter Barnabas for after you actually fight Barnabas, like you actually, you as the player actually fight him, but it's like their second encounter, like their second time actually fighting him after the, the sea splits, which, you know, if we're going to keep going biblical, like that's something in itself. But, um, and then it's, it's Clive and Jill, you know, like they're very, they're very Adam and Eve on the beach. If you know what I'm saying, like, <laughs> you know, um, but it's a beautiful scene. Not because of that. Do not take me out of context. Not because <laughs> of that. Okay. But because of the conversation that happens, because what happens is, uh, and, and what happens at the end of the scene is Jill gives up her dominant powers to, or he, he gives her the blessing of Shiva. I'm sorry. Gives Clive like her powers basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you recall, and it, I especially like you really feel this with you know, how I felt. You, I really felt it with when, with Dion. But um, whenever like Clive takes on like these powers, he like you know you can tell he's like struggling, right? He's it, it's painful for him, and he mentions during that scene like I feel like I'm taking on the burdens of like all these people and that right there is matthew eleven twenty eight, which is jesus saying come to me all of you who are weary and heavy burdened and i will give you rest and in a sense clive taking on the burdens of you know having all these powers he's he's literally seeing like the memories and the like moments minutes hours before like after they happen right the whole thing with dion in the in the the antechamber Mm -hmm. right whenever you find out like why he went mad it's because he he tried to kill olivier he was just a puppet for ultima at the end of the day and accidentally kill or yeah like accidentally killed his father because his father jumped in the way Mm -hmm. and that's what made him go wet mad and clive 
felt that. Yeah. He felt that pain. It's the same thing with Benedicta, with her, like, and honestly, like, Benedicta is way deeper than people, like, give her credit for, because yeah. she, she is someone who, and this is, like, like, when you really look at her, she's somebody who, like, I feel like did not know herself, because she was somebody who was so, you know, kind of just, lo- like, you know, she had, like, three different dudes, right? Like, Sid, hey, Hugo... She- Barnabas. Was she the of Babylon, Andy? Is that right. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't going to go there. But what I'm saying is typically people who live that kind of lifestyle are really, really don't know themselves. And they're looking for things to fulfill them in other places that are not going to fulfill them. And, and that could be a lot of it. I think yeah. a lot of what was going on with Benedicta, too, was like, mm-hmm. again, one of the big themes in this game is self preservation right yeah that's everything Mm -hmm. that was going on with ultima at the end of the day it was self-preservation for him and his race and you could argue same thing could be said for clive joshua and everybody on the other side of the aisle it's may all just come down to self-preservation at the end of the day but with benedicta we saw because they handled it very very i would say neatly but also very quickly you had to really be paying attention yeah 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 yeah, yeah, you see that like she was just this commoner like in, yeah. like worse than Connor in rags like lowest of the low and Sid was the one who kind of pulled her up out of that and then mm-hmm. she gained these powers of Garuda we don't know exactly when she awoken to right. her but you could see that everything she was doing was about pres- preserving that power preserving that influence yeah. there was a time where Sid was good enough for her because Sid was down with the plan right they were they sure. were aligned with everything that Barnabas had going on putting bringing all the icons together that was like originally his vision right and then sid Mm kind of turned his back on that whole plan starting everything with the hideout and sort of divorcing from that system and that's when benedicta had to hop on over to uh hugo barnabas she's right who's gonna be the winner and she's putting her eggs in all these different baskets no pun intended but right (laughs) right yeah yeah but she's playing it for who can be the win but the tragedy of it all was that underneath all that she did genuinely love sid but she loved yeah. but the tragedy. Is she loved her power more. Like more, and you see it right. when she loses mm-hmm. the Garuda powers. Like mm-hmm. you see her, she plays. Oh, she, she plays in a frenzy. Boss bitch for the first like ten percent of that game. But the second she loses her power, she becomes oh, she, a pathetic little girl. Yes. You know. Yes. Yep. She doesn't actually know her real her real worth. Yeah. Like she's trying to find her worth in her powers and these people. And influence, she doesn't know her worth. And it's funny that you brought up Sid because that's another one. And that's because that's what Sid does. Mm -hmm. And you don't just see that with her, but you see that with, if you just talk to the people at the hideaway, you see that all over the hideaway. Like I was just, we, uh, I, I'm, I actually just recently started my new game plus playthrough and I, I'm redoing the, uh, I'm, I'm going through all the side quests again, but during one of the first side quests, when you're just like, playing waiter and just like serving just dishes, serving dishes to, yeah. like the to the people uh you go up to uh his he's it's the lame bearer which is funny that it's this one specifically um and he says like you know like yeah, i really yeah i really didn't have much but like you know sid like kind of brought me here and gave me a purpose and i can actually be free here and it's like that's what sid does and that's that's what Jesus does. So, like, well, do you, you see it, it I, I hate constantly. to interrupt, but it just, it just yeah. came up on the screen. That whole sure. thing where you said that, like, what Sid is carrying out with the hideaway can be mm-hmm. paralleled with Christ and his story. 
Do you think that is why he offered uh, Clive the red wine upon his first arrival back at the hideout? Dude, like you know what's funny? You know what I mean? That's that that is really funny because. I just literally like an hour ago, like rewatched that scene <laughs> and I'm like, huh, I wonder if there's like anything there. You know, I, I wasn't really like playing around with it too much, but I was like, that's He's interesting. Welcoming Clive to the church, man. Welcome to yeah. the hideaway. Welcome to well, the hideaway. That's, that's what the hideaway is. It, it It's literally like, it literally, it, it's what it should be, right? I mean, what I would like the church in 2023 to become, right? It's these, it's just this solid, like unified community, unified community, right? The hideaway is like the church, right? And Sid is like, and you know, what's funny too is, um, because there's very much, there's very much a lot, you, you see parallels of Jesus and Clive, right? And I, and, uh, especially with, again, Clive taking on the burdens of the world, Jesus taking on the burden, the burden of sin on the cross parallel but i just thought of this now you could also say that clive is kind of like peter in a way what i mean not in like deny jesus three times peter no no no. i'm talking like after that i'm talking like before all that happens jesus says on this rock i'm gonna build my church right and he's talking to peter and so what happens well clive i'm sorry sid dies and who takes over the hideaway clive does becomes a new Sid. Not that Peter, Peter does not, don't hear me out, Peter does not become the new Jesus, right? But Jesus said, hey, the things that I've done, if you believe in me and you have my Holy Spirit, you can do them and greater things, right? So, and that's essentially what Clive did. <laughs> like, he went to fulfill Sid's mission. Another parallel, right? Yeah. Okay, Jesus has the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. Sid has this vision of, like, I want to destroy these, these crystals because they're destroying the world, essentially. Uh, and Well, he saw it for, like, it's, the... Um... It's Clive fulfilling yeah. Sid's mission, right? And it's, it goes back to, like, whenever Yoshi P, in that interview that we, at, we talked about in the last podcast we did, where it was like, well, at, at some point, Clive... He's going to put away this quest for vengeance and he's going to live for, he's going to he's going to walk with a much greater purpose and a much greater mission of mine. And, you know, I believe that there's multiple sides to that where like, you know, it is fulfilling Sid's wishes, but also to see bearers free, which is also fulfilling Sid's wishes, but also to just bear the burdens of, all of these people, because when you're bearing that much weight, you don't have time or room in your mind to even entertain a, the thoughts of vengeance, mm -hmm. you know, because there's all like that's already heavy enough. Um, phew. I uh, yeah. So Sid's another one. Let, <laughs> um, me, let me throw something yeah. else into the Sid pile. Let sure. Me throw something into the Sid throw pile. Throw it in there. So are you yeah. familiar with the Faustian deal? What is it? The Faustian deal. I don't think so. So that's where the term like deal with the devil comes from, where in okay. a sense it's like yeah. you give up something of importance in order for some like safety and security from the devil. The devil grants you something that gives you an mm. advantage you've been seeking. It's like uh, unearned mm. wisdom, unearned power, a Faustian deal in a sense. 
So I yeah. think a big thing with Sid yep. is he kind of realized the world was stuck in this Faustian deal. He didn't right. know it for sure, like the specifics, yeah. although he did know who Ultima was. That's why I think when Ultima right. first appears, he's like, now you show yourself, or he says something along those lines. But they make yeah. it known that y- Sid knows who Ultima is to a degree. Yeah. So to me, mm-hmm. I think a big thing with Sid was kind of recognizing, hey, we got this raw deal. We think we're getting yeah. something amazing with these crystals and this magic, mm-hmm. but all it's doing is holding us back from our full potential. We're becoming yeah. reliant on something that is unnatural to us yeah. that if you remove that element, we're almost helpless. That's why at the yeah. hideaway, what were they doing? They were growing fruit without magic. They were already starting to bring forth this world that wasn't reliant yeah. there on is Faustian a, deal. Yes. There is a world that is possible and a life that is possible to live without letting the influences of the world consume you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's true for today as well. I believe that as well for today. Oh, these are a lot of what we're talking are eternal truths. Like a lot of what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. That's why they show up in stories constantly because no matter Mm -hmm. what you do, if you put these things in a story, it it just resonates. It's almost like magic, you know? Yeah. It just it just magically resonates with people. Um, yeah. So you covered Sid. Was there anything else from your end that cool. really stood I out? I kind of little a little bit. I kind of want to talk about Barnabas a little bit. We could talk because about Barnabas, Barney. Yeah, Barnabas is very interesting in the sense where like he the way that I I can describe him. And I, I, I so want to just do a deep dive on this character. Like, my second playthrough, I'm going to just, like, Going do in a on deep Barney. dive on him. But he's kind of like a radical Christian that is serving the complete, like, wrong god. <laughs> like, that complete demonic. Like, he, and it's funny because he uses, and this, I don't, like, there's probably deeper things to this. But, you know, what really just stuck out to me because I've never heard this from like a video game before, but he uses like the same Christian lingo, right? That I use and that people in like in my community use around here of like, Oh, I serve the Lord. Right. You know, we, we are, we are doing this for the will of God. And it's like, it's like, buddy, like I love what you're saying, but I hate what you're saying because you're serving the wrong God, my guy. Like, and so it's funny. It's like, it's, he's kind of like, a a radical and i don't know if this is even the best way to put it but like a radical christian who's not serving christ who's serving this like false idea of a god and and ultima you know ultima actually is like a god in this game but he's not like you know he's he's very false he's a false he's evil he's a false god like he's he's Mm -hmm. something that is i guess what you would say physically superior to mankind yes. right like if you pin i would say i you know who i would actually compare ultima more to like the antichrist in a sense right right and that's that's what the book of revelation goes into where like there will be an antichrist who comes and deceives many and that's exactly what ultima does he definitely did it to barnabas barnabas has this influence so he's able to deceive an entire nation mm-hmm. because of the influence barnabas has and so and yeah, and what and what does he do? He does it. He Barn, Barnabas and all the other dominants. Every dominant in this game is just a means to an end for Ultima. All of them, mm-hmm. because Ultima just wants Clive to absorb to absorb them all into him, and then Ultima just wants to take Clive over. And so, 
Yeah, Barnabas is really interesting. I want to do a deeper dive on him at some point. But, uh, yeah, it's just, like, kind of funny, like, the whole, just the language that he uses. is It's very Christian, but he's himself a very, like, uh, not Christian, right? He, it's like he uses the same language, but he's, like, he's again, he's serving an evil god. So, so, just to, I guess, just to put it bluntly, he's got yeah. the temperament of a Christian, but mm-hmm. he's a Satanist. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't again, have said I it better part myself. Part of what makes him so creepy too, which is one of the things that made him like really hit with me and why mm-hmm. like, I, I love it when a game can really get me behind wanting to really wanting to fight somebody, you know, like yeah. when a game can mm-hmm. build you up to be like, I want to fight this person. I want yeah. to get the better of them. They achieved mm-hmm. that with Barnabas. And I think part of what irked me so much was that, once you figure out what's going on with him and Ultima and all that, you're just like, dude, you have hollowed yourself out to a demon. You, you know, yeah. like, again, you, you're capable of greatness. You know, yeah. you're, you're an icon. You're capable oh, yeah. of greatness. I believe he's a king. He's a king. Dude. Like, right? yeah. And he's kneeling before this fallen demon in, in, who, in a sense, like, tempts him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you have that scene oh, yeah, where, he's, sure. where Ultima's morphed into Benedicta to sexually yeah. tempt Barnabas again, falling for mm-hmm. lust like that. Then you have when he forms into the mother and everything, mm-hmm. you know, we've learned about the mother is like, it's just like, right. It's, it's just, he's, it's crazy when someone can be painted. So, cause like, I see him a little bit as a victim. He's not a victim as a whole. Me too. You know what I, I mean? Yeah. But I yeah, see yeah, it yeah. where it's like, mm-hmm. he thinks what he's doing is right. Yes, you know and that I mean? those make that is where the most terrifying of villains come from. That's why he was so in stories like this. Yes, and that's why I love him as a villain because he he does think what he is doing is right. That's what makes him a, one of the better antagonists in the game. And it's also like where side note, but like one of my favorite lines in the game comes from their their final encounter where. Uh, um, where Barnabas says, show me the strength of your will. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and, and Clive says, it's not the strength of my will you have to worry about, it's the weakness of yours. And yeah. that, mm-hmm. that's a baller line mm-hmm. because when you think about it, like Barnabas, he thinks he has a strong will, but he doesn't because he's given into the likes of someone like Ultima who's purely deceptive. But you see, to right? Barnabas, he's so twisted. He almost sees like, yeah. he almost sees it like inversely. Like, oh, you don't even have sure. the will to submit to Ultima. Sure. Right. So self-preserving yourself. Right. I am willing to give myself. Yeah. But where the will is stronger is that will in Clive saying, no, like I'm, I'm not going to submit to that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the Ifrit in him. Ifrit has always been the rebellious one in every final fantasy game. And again, those characteristics in the dominance of the icons, they show, they, they show, and they shine throughout the entire game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, it's yeah. He's definitely the most unsettling. I think of all the like quote unquote antagonists, and I'm not going to mm-hmm. put Dion in that category, even though we do battle with him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, he ends yeah, up yeah, on I don't our side him. by the end. Yeah, but he's, he, he Dion was 100 percent a victim. 
One hundred percent. Oh, dude, and like, like we could do a whole yeah. podcast on Dion. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, we could do a yeah, whole yeah, yeah. Dion, the one about Dion. We could go in. Was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. He really is, and I firmly believe this. He really is one of the best written Final Fantasy characters ever. Dion, feel yeah, it. Dion, because you feel yeah. it. You feel mm-hmm. it. You feel it when 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 he gets the news that Olivier is going to be king. It, yeah. It, it, uh-huh. Anyway, it's just so he's just so good. But yeah. Dude, yeah, of all the antagonists, though, uh, it's tough for me to pick between Barnabas and Hugo. Because yeah. Hugo, I don't want to get too into it. It's like, yeah, Hugo's a villain, but in the sense that, like, what is he, right? So he's, like, this right. lead economic advisor, but he's also, like, the strongest military force that his nation <laughs> yeah. has. Like, he he yeah, has yeah, it yeah. all. The riches, Dominative the money, Titan. the yeah. political power, the physical power. But like, what did he? What did he want? What did he want most? He wanted love. Yeah, you know. And when that was taken away from him, it broke him. When just the prospect of it being taken away from him, and like the yeah. worst part of it is, is like not just taken away from him, but shoved in his face. Yeah. Whenever they, what is presumed, they bring the head of Benedicta. Yeah. To him, you know. Oh. And what's even worse is. When you find out, because I don't know how much Hugo knew about Sid and Benedicta, but whenever they tell him, oh, it was Sid who did this, right? And then when you know the history, it's like, oh, that, like, talk about, like, getting getting you wound up. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, like, and then what, he goes on a quest of vengeance for the next five years or so? Mm-hmm. Like, just looking for Sid, when Sid's not even alive, technically. So, like, imagine how he felt... When, like, the person that, he like... Was, he was living in a delusion. Like, that's the ultimate, like, tragedy. Yeah. Was, like, his perception of the world wasn't real. Like, Benedicta didn't really love him. She was using yeah. him. That was quite clear. Any and feelings she really yeah. had were still with Sid, you know? Yeah, and that's a lot of, that's a lot of like, these, like, these antagonists. They're living in a delusion. Like, Barnabas, yeah. like, straight as a T. I don't even have to explain that one. But, like, yeah. And it's, again, it's it's really... You can really, it's really easy to pinpoint that, like, yeah, like, you know, every single, I believe every single one of those dominants were victimized in some way, shape, or form. In some way. Whether, regard, regardless of how malicious or um, I, I just awful they were, right? I'm trying to, I can't really think of the word, but like malevolent may be the word. Malevolent's a good word, yeah. Yeah. They they were all victims to some degree. Uh and slaves of fate, as Sid would call it. Right. All being puppeteered by this force. Like, you know how Final Fantasy is, there's always that force in the background mm-hmm. that's puppeteering the whole thing, right? The the real antagonist of 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 the game um and yeah and that's i mean my gosh like you even i mean i even see that today with just people mm-hmm. of like there are people who will lash out at other people but it's because they've been hurt so bad you know eternal truths andy yeah ancient hurt wisdom. people hurt people hurt people hurt people hurt people hurt people you see that all throughout this game so I think that's my side of the pond. I'm trying to think of anything else. Well, more, but... more is gonna, I guarantee you more is going to yeah. pop up because, again, sure I thing. wanted to talk a little bit. And 
when here's when when I get into like Greco Roman mythos, mm-hmm. logos, Ultima, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. everything with logos and Christ in the Bible, we'll be able to spin on that. But oh, I, for sure, I do first and foremost want to talk about the union concepts in this game mm. that were put on display. And by union, I'm talking Carl Yoon. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like, basically, I don't know if Carl Yoon just influenced all of stories after he did his work and research, or right. if he really unlocked these subconscious truths that just can't help but come to the surface in all of these stories, in people's writings, mm. in art, because again, everything he was able to recognize from the past has just completely perpetuated into the future. Um, yeah. And again, like for some people who maybe have played Persona, Persona uses mm-hmm. a lot of these concepts. Uh, for anyone mm-hmm. who watched our last episode with Aqua, we talked about how Aqua being in the realm of darkness and being mm-hmm. confronted with that mirror image of herself that sort of mocked yeah. her. That's that. That's where these concepts come from. Um, mm. But anyway, yeah. going with the union concepts, this entire game breaks down to the unionization of polar forces, right? Mm. Which mm-hmm. in union yeah. concepts is yeah. the ego and mm-hmm. the shadow. But mm. in FF16, if you want to take that all the way to the backdrop, it's it's an argument between determinism and fate. And a little shout out mm. to Max Durat. He does a good video on this. It's worth checking out. But it's something Final Fantasy has uh done before like you've played final fantasy 9 right yes that mm-hmm. whole game is yep. determinism and fate do, mm-hmm. do you have do you have free will or not i guess that's actually what i mean yeah. determinism and free will like yeah. are you just mm-hmm. a slave to fate or are your actions actually yours did you were you able to conjure up some right individual influence yes. on that, or are you just the consequence yeah. of your parents your genetics the things that happened to you this game is a yeah. big, big practice. And I think it looks at it pretty honestly because I, I actually think, you know, a lot of people are split on whether or not Clive survived at the end. And I think whatever you yeah. believe dictates whether you believe in determinism or free will. Mm, I, I almost feel like it's interesting. a test. And that's why they left huh. it sort of open-ended because if yeah. you believe in the like unbreakable human will, you're the kind of person yeah. that's going, nah, Clive's getting back to the hideout. Yes, his yeah. hand is petrified. Yes, he's worn out from the fight. Yeah. But that man has an unbreakable will. Like like you were talking about yeah. with Barnabas in that confrontation where they kind uh-huh. of brought up the idea. So would that would that be uh, the determinism? Like determinism would be that mindset. He, determinism mindset would be that his fate was determined. He didn't have any oh, free I will. See. But to me, I think this yeah. concept, and this is why I think he survived, because I think the game's message is in the direction of free will i think it makes a it argues mm-hmm. both sides 100 100 like the whole game is like dude the whole theme of this game was the legacy of the crystals has shaped our history mm-hmm. for long enough we've been following a script that's the these crystals yeah 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 but now no it's time for us to it's time for free will to step in and, and take and, over and then you consider right. like this is part of what actually makes the ending so like bone chilling is you find mm-hmm. out oh you did everything ultima wanted you to do sid's idea yeah. sid's great yeah. idea to destroy the crystals yes wasn't even it's his exactly idea. what ultima wanted it was exactly it was all determinism until the moment ultima mm-hmm. tried to jack clive's free will where he had the power to say no 
It was yeah. that is the only thing. Yeah, that that's like so interesting. Moment where free will actually comes through, but it came through mm -hmm. in like the most primal, important part of the game was him yeah. saying no to being Ultima's vessel. He may have followed that script, did everything Ultima wanted him to do, but when he got yeah. to a certain point, the free will triumphed. And again, this is why yeah. I'm inclined to believe he survived at the end, but we'll see. I'm sure they'll make an official statement eventually, or there'll be some DLC, mm. or who knows, we might even get an FF16 too. Um, mm. Anything further on the whole free will and determinism thing before I maybe move into the like shadow work? I... I mean, honestly, like, I mean, you see it throughout the whole game, even like the message of the game, even like what the trailers were even building up. Um, you see it with, I mean, gosh, like you see it with Jill a little bit. Like you definitely see it with like. Oh, with Jill, whole... dude, with Jill, it's yeah. so on the nose, right? Because yeah. she was mm -hmm. taken in and basically enslaved, right? Mm -hmm. Held against her will. And then it's yeah. almost like, it's almost like she was held captive by her free will because they threatened mm. to like kill the children, right? If she didn't do yeah. as they said. So it's like of her own free will, she chose to slaughter those people so that the children could live. And it's just like, yeah, they almost made her right. a slave to she did. She didn't have to, right? She didn't have to, but the children, they, the children would have died. So yeah. it's like, yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. And there's, how does she lash out? How does she, cause, her i guess the mm -hmm. overall point there is like hey i was kind of a slave to this determinism that the king iron kingdom was imposing on me i had to do everything they said slaughter who they said to slaughter freeze who mm -hmm. they said to freeze if i had a free will i would have killed that bastard on the spot and yeah. i think that's why she says clive if if i'm gonna do this with you i have to go back and do right by my free will yeah because i wasn't doing yeah. right by it the whole time i was captured mm -hmm. so with Jill, it's That's very on the nose. With with Sid, it's it's on the nose too. It's mm -hmm. you know every character has a, at a certain point mm -hmm. does what they believe is their best to divert from yeah. the determinism and into a space of free will. Whether a character gets there yeah. or not is relatively up for debate. Because again, consider like what Sid thought was breaking free was actually Ultima's trap, but in a sort of paradoxical sense. And we'll get into paradoxes in a bit too. Um, okay. it's almost like Sid was in this perfect place whereby where like his free will and determinism were actually the same thing, mm. you know? Yeah. You want to, you want to kind of expand on that? So, so yeah. Perfect. So Ultima's determinism was, Hey, you're going to destroy all these crystals. That's exactly sure. what I want. But in your head, mm -hmm. you're thinking that's, what's going to set you and your kind free. Both were true. That yeah. Is, that you're is right. what set mankind free. But it yeah. was also what Ultima was doing to enslave um, the race, like the the all of Valisthea even further, you know. Yeah. To again, I can't. I, I can't help but always think back because we were talking about FF15 a lot in the last podcast. Yes. But I can't help but always think back to this whole like dude with Arden and Noctis, right? And um, oh, I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about FF15 spoilers here. Yeah. Dude, honestly, and this is just my rule of thumb, it's like, sure. if a game's been out for a year, if yeah. you cared you can... that much, yeah. you probably know. So you're okay. good. So you're good. Yeah. So Final Fantasy, big Final Fantasy 15 spoilers, by the way. But the whole, and you find this out in episode Arden, if you play the DLC, that 
basically Arden gets screwed over by Bahamut <laughs> and is like, dude, you're like your role for the rest of your life is to wait for the chosen king. I need to make a video on FF15, I swear. <laughs> to, to wait for the chosen king to arise so that he can kill you, basically. And set you free. Yeah. And then, but it's funny because it's like, yeah, Arden loses, but but he also gets exactly what he wants. Wins. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Because that's, you know, it's that was determined, and it's, yeah, like what happens in the, you know, alternate episode Ignis ending aside, like what happens is, like Noctis gives his life to destroy Arden because Noctis is the, the one true king. And Arden, although he's dead, you know, he lost, he also got exactly what he wanted because he hated the Lucian bloodline, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you see, it's kind of similar with like, again, that whole like Arden of like, um, you know, kind of like, although the protagonists are doing all these things to try to stop, you know, Ultima, to stop Arden, they're also doing exactly what they want them to do. And I think those are some of the most brilliantly like written villains mm -hmm. in just stories. Whenever you can weave, like when you can, when you can weave in what you were saying, that mesh of like determinism and free will and it's it's kind of like all one thing when you look at it the utilization from, of polar yeah. forces and like that's the, what yeah it, that's yeah it's yeah it's yeah. just what so much of this game comes down to i i, mm -hmm. I really really want to get into clive and the shadow work but since we're here like yeah think about you you have to wonder right like why did ifrit and phoenix need to fuse why right yeah. The unionization of polar forces. You were talking yes. about earlier. Flames, flames, flames of, of destruction, destruction flames, flames of resurrection. Of, exactly. The unionization yep. mm -hmm. of polar forces, which... Yes. So, with Clive, and again, we talked about this a little in my last episode with Aqua. So, the whole idea of integrating the shadow. So, think of yourselves, and again, human beings are fractured in many different ways, but try to conceptualize it like this. Picture your brain. At the front of your brain is the ego. These are all the things that you have made conscious. So like in your example, Andy, it would be, I'm a Christian and my job is yeah. X and I am a brother and I am a son and I am, right. I am compassionate. And I'm, you know, all these things that yep. you bring forth into your, into your front, into your consciousness, right? Which is yes. another big yeah. topic in this game too, is threads of consciousness mm -hmm. and how they work. You know, again, you yeah. are friends. That's a thread of consciousness right there. So yeah. that's everything we bring up here. But just like that's here, conscious, we're aware of it. We identify as these certain things. Behind us, there's this subconscious. Mm -hmm. And Carl Jung had this um, quote of like, until you integrate your shadow and make yourself aware of the unconscious, you are doomed to have it control your life and you'll just call it fate. He's, I'm paraphrasing, mm. but he says it along those lines. So yeah. from a Christian perspective, what's lingering here in the subconscious? That's the lust. That's the pride. That's the, sure. that's the gluttony, it's, 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 the sloth. It's, the, it's all the things that are, that are a part of you. That you it's the desires with. of the flesh. It's the right. desires of the flesh. Yep. It, it, mm. I, I yeah. I want to go further to make oh, yeah. it be like the things that call forth materialistic desires. Because it's the yeah. same thing that makes you love money. Or it's the same mm -hmm. thing that makes you love like fast food and stuff. Like, right. All the things that are a part of you 
that you shove away that you don't want to think about. Yeah. And it could, it could be anything. It could, there's, again, it, everybody's It's funny you mention that because there's a Bible verse that talks about, I think it's in First or Second Corinthians, that says, or maybe Colossians, take every thought captive, right? Because mm -hmm. like, and yeah, I think that. even, yeah, and I think even Paul talks about um, in the New Testament, and I can't remember if it's in Romans or where it's at, but he talks about, he's like, I don't even trust my own self, which is why I, I discipline my flesh and my body so that I can serve the Lord and show myself approved, right? Mm -hmm. So that I can, you know, so it's, um, it, it, and it's hard to do. It is because yeah. like whenever that, that's those subconscious, like materialistic leaning desires move and, and shift into this realm of consciousness that can it's lead painful. you down a very dangerous road. It's painful. It's the process yeah. of mm -hmm. what Jung called becoming the self. So like mm. in, in Christianity, mm -hmm. Christ is the self. He is the ego with the integrated shadow. He called that unconscious forth in, you know, confronting the devil in the desert. And he was able to face it without attempting him. He was able to face it without it controlling him. You know, that's becoming the self, which was seen as like not the highest form of being per se, but it's sort of what is considered to be like the most elevated consciousness. Because if you're living in a world right. where you're not aware of this unconscious behind you, you're not aware of the shadow, like mm -hmm. I was saying before, what he gets into is, well, then it's just going to control your life and you're not going to have any idea mm -hmm. why what's happening to you is happening to you. You're just going to think you have bad luck, right? Mm -hmm. So we see this, and I want to get into it a little bit more because I'm such a nerd. I could talk about it all day. Go for it. But yeah. we see it with Clive during the you're not ifrit i am seen yeah that, the whole really like fighting his literally his, shadow. his internal shadow internal shadow yeah. that's the name of it internal mm -hmm. shadow and what is he doing? Yeah. he's confronting the part of him that has the capacity for destruction that has yes. the capacity for mm -hmm. darkness right and yeah. you know like that's a very tough thing to get a hold of but what is the truth and i want to talk about mm -hmm. truth a lot too because I think, I think some more ancient wisdom, something that mm -hmm. you see a lot in, you see it in ancient Egypt, this idea with Horus mm -hmm. diving into the underworld to essentially rescue mm -hmm. his father. You see this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and where does he go? Yeah. Where does he go? He goes to um, Phoenix Gate, right? Doesn't he have to go yep. under Phoenix mm -hmm. Gate? To where, that's where he faces off against Infernal Shadow? I think so, actually. Funny enough. Yeah, I gotta... I got to confirm that, but that's, that's wild. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. And again, if we're yeah. talking hero's journey terms, that's the belly of the whale, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. oh God, got to regain, got to regain, got to regain. You're good. You're that? good. You're good. Uh, infernal shadow. Uh, right. Okay. So that, yes. that yeah, was yeah. the moment where he mm -hmm. combined in order, again, in order to call forth your highest potential, I think this is a good way to put it. Your ego has to integrate the shadow. So now the question becomes, why did Clive need to integrate this destructive part of his personality? Because it's on him to destroy the Faustian deal, destroy the mm. false god. In order for him to be a hero, mm. he needed that destructive shadow in order to complete Sid's vision, yeah. his vision to be the hero required that destructive part of his personality. And yeah. again, he had, he had to, you know what it comes down to? It comes down to identity. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally like you're not Efri. I am. I am like knowing who you are. Or even like, I mean, let's, you know, just 
a slight caveat to Kingdom Hearts, but like Riku's story in Chain of Memories. Great example. Like, you know, like I cast all my friends aside and and then like, you know, I have this darkness and Nominee's like, well, why don't you just use the darkness? And he accept it. And he's like, this is my darkness. And he accepts the darkness. Uh, same thing. Same exact thing. Um, it's funny because with Jesus and Satan in the desert, a little bit different, at least so it, it, in the Christian view, right? Mm -hmm. We just call that, that's just the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? There's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's just the Holy Spirit in Jesus, right? Because Jesus, the whole point of Jesus was like, he's fully God and fully man, but in order to fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament and fulfill the law and live and live a perfect life in order to be able to take on our sins so that we can have that forgiveness. He had to cast his divinity aside mm -hmm. and live 33 years on planet Earth as, you know, he's fully human and fully God, but he, he's casting his divinity aside so that he can do everything, live a sinless life, being fully human, but with the Holy Spirit, and that's why he get in after his ascension, after the forty days, after his resurrection. He says, "Now I give you, you have the Holy Spirit here with you." So, and it's interesting, or you know, because we're talking about this whole again, this uh, this uh, what, what is Carl Jung? Yeah, what is like the? Is there like an initial term that Carl Jung uses, or is it just like he or calls Carl it the uses the young? Okay, so like yeah, it's very interesting because. When you, and again, from the Christian worldview, when you accept the fact that you're a sinner, that you're broken, you know, kind of going where we're at with this destructive personality with Clive and his mm -hmm. infernal shadow, when you accept that and, you know, not dwell on like just being, oh, you know, like, woe is me, right? But like, when you actually accept that, it's like, you know what? Yeah, like, I am this. And, you know, what I went through sucked. What Clive went through with the whole Joshua ordeal at the beginning, that sucks. But you know what? I'm going to use that experience, and I'm going to take that experience to heart, and I'm going to accept that it happened, and I'm going to actually use that to become a better person later down, yes. later on yes. in the story. I'm going to use that... And it brings me, you know, I hate to keep bringing back Kingdom Hearts, but you are a Kingdom Hearts channel. It, it, Kingdom Hearts Recoded. The best thing that Kingdom Hearts Recoded does, it talks about hurt, right? Mm -hmm. It talks about one of the deepest themes in the series is hurt. And there's Data Sora and Data Roxas are having this conversation. And Ro Data Roxas says, well, are you going to hold on to your hurt? Or do you actually want to be free of that? Like you can, you can cast that hurt aside and be free of it. And Sora says, no, I'm going to hold on to this because there's people who need my help. Mm -hmm. There's people who need my help that if I hold on to this hurt, I can actually be able to relate to them and talk to them. You know, this is coming from a computer program, by the way. Right. <laughs> so, which is wild. I, I kind of see the same similar things here because when Clive does get in his 30s, right, he isn't that venge he isn't that vengeful 20-year-old anymore, right? He's accepted the truth, you know. I find it hilarious that, that that's an actual game mechanic, you accepting the truth. Beautiful. But like Beautiful. amazing, be beautifully done, right? He accepts the truth and now he takes up the mantle of Sid and is essentially doing what Sid, what Sid was doing. You know, he's he's giving these bearers 
uh, a place to live, to work, a a place to be free. To thrive. He's, yeah. Yeah, to thrive. He's liberating these people. And I'm really wondering if he did not have that internal conflict with his infernal self, that I don't think he would have been able to live up to that Sid legacy. Definitely not, because Sid, Sid already had that dog in him. You know, we meet, <laughs> when we meet when we meet Sid, he's already <laughs> yeah, in yeah, yeah. the shadow. He's already yeah, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Which um, is why I think yeah. like an episode Sid would be so, so interesting. I like, honestly, dude, I like, think it might be because Sid knew about Ultima, right? Yeah, I, but I we don't when, know much more than that. Just a random prediction. I don't have a lot yeah. to back it up, but I think when Sid clashed with Bahamut and he found that crystal tower, I think that's when mm. he fought Leviathan. And that's when he learned everything. Right, because they did name drop Leviathan mm -hmm. towards the end, right? Which is interesting. And I think, isn't there a theory going around that, like, uh, uh, the baby that the, that the woman is carrying is, like, the next dominant of Leviathan? See, no, I've, no, no, the crystal okay. is gone. No, it can't Right, happen. okay, okay. Because I've heard that. I was like, that's interesting. I think it's but, more likely that's the next Sid. If anything, ah, right? yeah, yeah, that, that makes more sense. likely. Yeah, um, yeah. But there was there was something else since we were talking about this. Accept the truth scene. There's also this idea. This yeah. is more Joseph Campbell as opposed to Carl Jung, more hero's journey stuff. But the mm -hmm. idea is that, like, in a hero's story, that which they most need to see is in the place they least want to look. And that's also oh, like, that's so that is yeah. so. I mean, that's relatable to me on a Dude, personal it, that's, level that's that's yeah. life i think that's a truth of yeah. life is that yeah. what we all need to see most is hidden in the place we're avoiding which again brings mm -hmm. in this idea of hey everything we're shoving back here into the unconscious places mm -hmm. we don't want to look that's actually the place we need to look the most and if yeah. you look with clive it's mm -hmm. only after he accepts the truth that he's responsible for his brother's death it is only yes. after yep. he accepts mm -hmm. that that his brother reappears. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that everything yeah, and starts I... to fix itself. You know what I mean? Yes. Him and Jill start to, you see the romance start to kick up after that mm -hmm. a lot because he doesn't have this weight on his shoulder. You see him start yeah. to get on at the hideout more. You see mm -hmm. everything starts to come together for him yeah. after he goes into the belly of the whale. The right, the, the, the place that he needed the most but wanted to avoid the most as well. And it's like, always the same thing. The yes. unionization of mm -hmm. two polar opposites. Least yeah. one like, of them most but to also see like the same thing. Like, think about, like, let's just put ourselves in Clive's shoes for a second. Think about how he probably felt when he was taking that long trek, because, I mean, we had to walk through a, quite a few areas before we actually got the Phoenix Gate. Think about, like, how he felt every step he took getting closer and closer to back to where that tragedy happened. That, that yep. one thing that he cannot get over, that he cannot forgive himself for, he, and he's going back there. Like, imagine how he felt. And then when he's there, oh, my gosh. Like, I can't even imagine, like, what he was feeling mm -hmm. you know well he but wanted it, dude he went he went full suicidal he wanted sid to kill him yeah you know mm -hmm. once before he truly accepted the truth he mm -hmm. he didn't want to accept it so much he was willing to die yes you know but yeah. you, you kind of say that before clive fulfills 
the sort of Christ hero archetype. It's filled by Sid, and there's Sid right there pulling someone out of the darkness, you know, with a little mm -hmm. bit of humor, like, hey, you're alive, might as well make yourself useful. You know? <laughs> you're right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm like, he says he has a good. line later in the game that cracks me up that he's basically like, Well, Clive, you go you go learn the truth and but you know, if you find the man who killed your brother, you kill the bastard. If it turned out to be you, well then you just kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, he does that's <laughs> actually like, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what he says. Yeah, he's basically just saying, like, yeah. well, dude, you gotta go see the truth. You yeah. can't just hide from it and say, Hey, kill me because I took one peek in the dark corner and I don't like it. It's like, no, mm -hmm. go there learn what you need to learn, then come back and decide what yeah. to do. You're going through the fire, but not to be burned, to become more refined, mm -hmm. right? Like, like, a, uh, like yeah. a blackthorn iron in the fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's even a Bible verse. I think I want to say it's like First Peter something. Um, but it kind of talks about that where like, you know, um, you know, just as like silver and gold go through the fire and come out more refined so that we go through the fire. We come, we come out looking more like Jesus essentially is what it's saying. Um, you can go through the fire and you can let it burn you or you can actually accept that. Like, wait a minute. No, I'm not going to let this burn me. This fire actually wants to make me into a better person. Forge. Me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is so funny because again, with, Clive going with fighting his infernal shadow. Infernal, right? He's literally in the fire being refined mm -hmm. in his consciousness. Yeah. Like, dude. Deep, <laughs> like, dude, deep stuff. Yeah, yeah. The flames of of refinement is what I like to call it. Um, and that's the, I and, guess you would say that's yeah. the phoenix's flame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even in, you know what's funny too, now that you mention that, because yeah, he had the blessing of the phoenix, right? So it's like that those flames of resurrection were in him. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't it that doesn't necessarily mean it had to be a physical bodily resurrection, but no, more a resurrection of the mind. Yep. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. Like set your mind on things above, a resurrection of the mind. Like like of do not be the Bible says do not be conformed by the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that's exactly that's, the journey that, that Clive went on. I was going to say that's a dude that yep. is par for par shot yeah. for shot. Exactly what yep. transpired mm -hmm. with that whole Ifrit sequence. Um, I want to talk yeah. about mythos logos. Also chat. I'm going to read the chats. I know we're over the one hour mark, but it's, it's a, it's a chunky episode. We got a chunky oh, episode. We chunking. Here. We got a few more ch <laughs> chunking. <laughs> episode 158 we chunk in 185 excuse me my dyslexia kicked in 185 we chunk in um but before we talk mythos logos and ultima there was something else i wanted to talk to you about going hopping back to christian symbolism before we maybe move into yeah. mythos logos so this whole mm -hmm. idea of joshua the phoenix and that really being like right. a stand-in for the christ archetype um you know something that isn't often talked about is that archetypically speaking like Christ is the Phoenix. Like, what do you think Ash Wednesday yeah. is? Ash Wednesday, yeah. you go and you get ashes of, in the shape of the cross yep. uh, on your forehead. You know, you're like, right. He is yeah. the Phoenix. Yeah, he holds the, the keys to sin and death. Right, mm -hmm. a place you know where people burn eternally. You know, mm -hmm. if what I you know this is what I believe as a Christian. Don't accept Jesus like that. You know, there's heaven and hell. 
right? And so, but he and he holds the keys, right? And that's why that's why we need a savior, right? That's why we, I believe, we need to believe in Jesus because of that. And so, again, he dies on the cross, you know. And the Bible says this, he descended to the lowest regions of the earth, Belly of the right? Whale. Right, conquered sin and death, and what happens three days later? He's back up again. He's, yeah, absolutely the phoenix. Absolutely. Didn't, he, didn't Christ yeah. revive someone on his way up? Yeah, um, so before. But, yeah, wrong? before, before, it was, it's before the crucifixion. Gotcha. But yeah, um, it's, uh, well, there's, there's a couple people. Lazarus is the most popular one. There's uh, an instance where uh, a man named Jairus, uh, his daughter, uh gets so sick that she she dies and then he says like and and then he goes and he basically picks her up and <laughs> she's awake um because that's just jesus that's what he does uh but yeah down. yeah you just see the phoenix down but honestly um yeah the, with lazarus uh and this is so interesting um so in in jewish culture what they believe i don't know if it's the culture of the jews or if it was the culture of kind of like that region. I think it was, de it's definitely a Jewish thing. But like, so what they believed was if you're dead, whenever you die, if you're dead for like two, three days, they still believe that your, your soul kind of like hovered around your body. Like maybe you can still like, you know, maybe something can happen. You, maybe you're not really you, gone. You, and that's kind of what you're waiting for the bus to heaven. Yeah, and that's kind of, we were talking about this in the pre-roll a little bit, but uh, a practice in Catholicism is when you go to a funeral, you might see people pray at the casket um, because, you know, they're interceding for the soul, right, um, after they pass. However, in Jewish culture, if you are dead for four days or more, they just believe, okay, there's no coming back. And here's what's so profound about Lazarus Lazarus being raised from the dead Jesus specifically it, it makes mention it makes note of this so that you know that he is the son of God he specifically waits not one not two days not three days he waits four days specifically and the Bible makes note of that before he up. goes before he goes and then the, everybody's like you could have saved him. Where have you been? He's been dead for four days. And then he says, Lazarus, come out. Boom. And it's, it's like, yes. So, Phoenix. Right. I, I know I went off on a little tangent, but... No, you were, you were explaining the archetype of the Phoenix yeah. of how Christ didn't just yeah. have this power for himself, this death and rebirth mm -hmm. power. These mm -hmm. Phoenix Downs he had embedded within the Holy Spirit was something yep. that he was able to use, again, not just yeah. for his own resurrection, but as we saw resurrection of others. Mm. Yes. Excuse yep. me. But let's um let's cook on some mythos and logos. Okay. You know, I think yep. there's mm -hmm. these are some ideas that have been around for a very long time, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, Carl Jung Greek. and like Greco-Roman mm -hmm. culture had their take on this and mm -hmm. Christianity has their take on it. So they're saying yes. mostly the same thing, but they're coming from mm -hmm. different perspectives, right? Whereas right. Like, mm -hmm. maybe like Carl Jung kind of talked about these sort of broadly Whereas Christianity acted it out through the mm -hmm. in the life of Christ, like it, it's it's yeah. it's something that occurred and is to be observed. Whereas, like yes. with Carl Jung, it's something that is taught or is like vote. You get the point. Anyway, let's yeah. talk about logos and mythos. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Typically sure. speaking, 
mythos again we were talking about if everyone ever wants to go back to that imagery of the front of the brain back of the brain mm -hmm. conscious and unconscious so mythos and logos mythos would actually be embodied by the unconscious right these mm -hmm. are sort of the the animalistic mm -hmm. impulses one would say you know yep. maybe some more emotional reactionary right you you think right think reactionary when you think mythos and the reason why yes. and again this goes into the determination the determinism and free will argument again mm. ultima is constantly referring to uh clive as the mythos right yes he's unconscious because he's almost mocking him like you don't know oh, what yeah. you're doing you're you're pulled by fate you're doing everything until the very end when he which we're he yes. refers to him as logos. Yes. It's so good. It's so good logos, because just just to yeah. explain what it is, uh -huh. the logos sure. is like rational thinking, thinking objectively, yep. being proactive, not yeah. reactive, not being yeah. pulled around by impulses and emotion, right? So yeah. for the whole game, he's referring to Clive as mythos, but then once that free will kicks in, he goes, Oh, you're the logos. Yeah. What so mm -hmm. what has Clive done? He's become the self where the logos and mythos have become yes. one you know in, yeah. in in standing in opposition to ultima so you know it's funny i don't yeah. know if you know this but uh so john 1 1 mm -hmm. right john 1 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god word is capitalized in the english in the greek that word like the word as it's referring to the word of god right mm -hmm. translates exactly to logos, logos. Mm -hmm. so like whenever like people were talking about like oh jesus being the logos he's the word right mm -hmm. and it's you know believe what you want right you know but i believe like i believe that the logos well, rational the logos word. is that right. which calls yeah. forth mm -hmm. the truth you know truth yeah. is a big part of this game and again it's that which yep. calls mm -hmm. forth the truth and human yeah. beings whereas you know christ was the logos right he's this embodiment of the logos because that sort of unconscious mythos didn't have any power over him. There, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? That wasn't something that's as strong within him as it is us. We, as yes. you know, standard humans, let's just say, for lack of a better term, we are sure. yeah. much more subject <laughs> to emotional impulses, reactionary Absolutely. impulses, irrational impulses. You know, whereas mm -hmm. this logo, something that is to strive towards, is mm -hmm. something that transcends all of that. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So logos that whenever, whenever Ultima finally or in that final battle refers to him as logos, I'm like, bruh. Like, if there was any ever, if there was ever any like, doubt, right? Right. Yeah. It was. It, it was just really cool. And again, it, it, this will go over like a lot of people's heads initially. But like again, when you dive into what like the all the themes and all of like. The archetypes that this story is dealing with oh man it's like heavy. you will go on your own i you will go on your own spiritual journey like mm -hmm. to be honest like and it and it is powerful because you know ultima has seen clive as mythos mythos and it wasn't just ultima it was uh you know hit you know um oh i'm afraid slept near i don't remember his original name but yeah. like yeah, that guy, right? The right hand. Barnabas is number two. Bar Barnabas is number two. Also referred to him as Mythos. I think Barnabas even calls him Mythos yep. as well. Yeah. So it's like they see him as, well, you're just this 
animalistic, like, you know, mm-hmm. just ball of flesh that is just another, you know, just another another person, you know, who is acting on their desires. But then whenever Clive, like, finally, like, when, when that free will steps in, right, because there's this massive battle of consciousness throughout the entire game, Ultima is ta- talking about how, you know, we have to, oh, consciousness. Mm-hmm. We need to do something about that, well, you know. If I like, it's, yeah, it's just something that's interesting. You notice that with Ultima, consciousness to him is this like collectivism, right? You see mm-hmm. it when the species yeah. wakes up, mm-hmm. and there's not just like eight Ultimas. No, they become yeah. this one. They're this collective. Yep. Whereas yeah. the humans of Alistea are more have more individualistic consciousness. Right. And Ultima, it's funny because like, oh, they two. Yeah, go. It's two different images of unity. Yes. Co- like collective unity in the sense of like it's one person, right? Mm-hmm. And one person dictating mind. everything, a hive mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or and then there is the unity where like we were saying before of people brought together, right? Mm-hmm. Which is always going to be much stronger, right? Because well, that's the Guardians you know, for Xehanort, dude, all over again. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It is, and yeah, just like that moment when he, he sees him as Logos, right? He addresses him as Logos. It's kind of, kind of. Um, uh, like hold up, black... hold up. We lost you for a sec. You're back. Oh, we're good. You're Am back I back? We lost you. You were going. He kind of. He kind of, and then you cut. Okay, am I good? You're good now. Yeah, you're groovy. Okay, awesome. Gravy. So, um, so he kind it kind of reminds me of, um, or like the demons in the in the New Testament. Whenever you you will see you will read stories of people being like demon possessed that Jesus heals. The demons recognize Jesus as the Logos. They recognize him mm. and they address him. They even say at one point, they say, wow. it's not, wait, you can't, like they're terrified of him because the book of Revelation talks about there's an appointed time where all of these demons and all of, and all of this, they'll be thrown into a lake of fire, right? And then, then heaven, a new earth, like, mm-hmm. and the demons even say, it's not, the appointed time like it's not the appointed time like what are you gonna do to me and then he it, it all he does is deterministic right he, yeah. he he exercises them but doesn't they're not destroyed because it will and because they're saying like they know like they know the ending it's not the appointed time they recognize him as the logos right ultima recognizes clive as the logos now and is when you look in Ultima's eyes, guess what? He's terrified. Mm-hmm. This God figure is terrified of this. Per- like, honestly, like I-, I look at it as like the equivalent of what I believe demons and devils or whatever being terrified by people on earth who are filled with the Holy Spirit, because that's what Jesus was, right? He's fully God. But he's also fully man, and like we said the before, Cass is polarizing forces. Yes, so he's the, and I wouldn't say like Jesus, like Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not polarizing, but it's it's the same concept of like Jesus was filled with the Spirit, and 
demons were terrified of him. Just as like now he gives the Holy Spirit to us and darkness flees when the spirit is in the room. You know, I hate to go. I, I don't want to say I hate to go. I don't mean to go Pentecostal or anything, but like uh, that's just that's just how it is. And just my experience of what I believe in things like that. And so um, and that like that, I mean, that gives me adrenaline in the morning of like, wow, like I can I can be just like that. You know, I can't do it perfectly. Nobody can. But like. You know, everybody's got that dog in him Everybody, at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah. Ever like, honestly, like if, if Clive's journey has shown us anything is when you accept like reality and when you accept your reality and whether like you know, the good, the, the bad, and, and call yes. forth the logos. Yes. You are going to be unstoppable. Yeah. You're There's yourself. nothing stopping you. You become the yeah. self. Yeah, and nothing can hold you. And you see that, you see that honestly throughout the whole game. When Bahamut is about to, is about to smite Joshua and Jill, I'm a shield of Rosaria, and I'm going to do my duty. Bam! Right? Like, dude, nothing, and he walked with such confidence, mm -hmm. was not shaken or anything. He walked, like, with such confidence and just transformed at the perfect time because he is an unstoppable force because he knows who he is. He's accepted the truth. He knows who he is. And when you find people like that in the world, there's nothing that can stop them from doing what they, what they want to do. Well, yeah, dude. I think this is yeah. why, like, I think this is why Yoon as a psychologist was so drawn to this idea. Cause like, well, how do you mm -hmm. fix broken people? And I, his conclusion, yeah. and I'm not going to go out and say he's right, it's not my field of expertise, but his conclusion was sure. everything you were saying of like, if you can get people in whatever template they believe in, you know, mm -hmm. to integrate this shadow and call forth this logos, right? Mm -hmm. From a Christian perspective, it would be integrate the Holy, uh, like call forth Christ and the Holy Spirit and integrate the temptations of sin. You know, right. if you can... And that's not to say you give in to those sins. Yeah, take, take, you know take, I mean. take, take your thoughts captive, right? Right. You, 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 you call upon self. the Holy Spirit and you accept that you can't do this on your own, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that, that's the Christian perspective of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude. And I think, oh, like, you know, it's, you know, again, I have to wonder, like, again, with these concepts, and this is why I called it the, this episode the ancient wisdom of Final mm -hmm. Fantasy 16. Because, you know, like, look, if, you, if you're a guest on this podcast or you listen mm -hmm. to this podcast, there's obviously something about stories that pulls oh, you in. Yeah. There's something about stories that leads you either to self-discovery or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's some sort of enlightenment, you know, not to say you play Final yeah. Fantasy 16. Now you're a Buddhist monk. It's not what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, I mean, I'm sure there's that, that rare, like, you know, 0.01%. Right. Right. But yeah. But, but it's made yeah, me yeah. wonder lately if this whole, this idea we've talked a lot about today, this unionization of, of polar forces, it, mm. it just makes me wonder, like, is that like the ultimate language is that the ultimate like lesson of lesson does every lesson almost come down to this because i think about all these symbols that have transcended time think of the yin and yang right yeah. think of the yin and yang you have the the fish of light and the fish mm -hmm. of darkness just to put it in one way you know what i mean but what's mm -hmm. embedded in that fish of light little bit of darkness 
and what's yeah. embedded in that fish of darkness. A little bit of light. A little bit of light. You think of yeah. the Caduceus. I don't know if you're f- familiar with it. It was like Hermes's rod. It's used as a lot of like medicinal logos now. It's like a, a staff with the two serpents entwined around <laughs> it. You want to know where they really got that from? They got that's they got Moses. That from, that's Moses's staff. Yeah, exactly. They got that from the the bronze serpent in the Old Testament. So there, uh, yeah, there's a and at one point I can't remember exactly where it is in the Old Testament. I want to say it's like uh, it's like the Pentateuch. So like the first five books of the Old Testament. It's one. It's one of those. But there are people who are sick, and what they do is, oh well, if if you or you know. It represents, it's after Moses, so representing the staff of Moses. They create this, um, uh, this, the, you know, these snakes, are br- these bronze snakes, and they put them on this staff, and they put it up and they say, oh, if you, if you just look upon this, you'll be healed. And that's exactly what happens. They're healed of their sickness. So that's where they actually get that from. And well, you can I see take that, that a step further. I want to sure, take that just one absolutely. step further where I'm like, I yeah. think this is bigger than that. I think it's just sort of this universal truth that continues mm-hmm. to just be called forth because like mm-hmm. the caduceus, like the that symbol goes back to like there there's like in two thousand BC, there mm-hmm. there's things referencing it in like ancient Greece in like That's wild. Yeah, yeah. in like five hundred mm-hmm. BC in ancient Greece, like you had Hermes with the rod. It wasn't yep. quite the symbol we know as it today. I think yeah. I think from things like the bronze serpent, it has a more refined image that we know of it today. Sure. But I think it's one of those things, and the reason why it may be in the Bible is because it's just one of these truths that continues to just be called forth to us. <laughs> you know, it's funny because um, we're talking about this is another prophecy of Christ because so and you and you'll you'll see, you'll see it today. You like you'll see it. If you go to like a hospital or you see an ambulance, you'll see that symbol because healing, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. That's where it comes from, right? It's another prophecy of Christ because the devil is representative as a snake and Jesus on the cross, right? The snake wraps around the pole and Jesus on the cross, what happens? Oh, he this, he takes the sin. <laughs> and when you gaze upon the cross, you are healed. And you can be born again. It's it, that is another again one of hundreds and hundreds of prophecies of Jesus in the Bible, Je, the bronze serpent in the pole, and Jesus on the cross. It's, and you see again, it that's doesn't the thing. end. The cross yeah. is, is another one of these symbols, yeah, mm-hmm. like the yin yang, like the Caduceus, yep. that are just so eternal. Mm-hmm. That all keep bringing us back to the same idea, and to see it like called forth in FF sixteen in all these mm-hmm. different ways it's just i don't know it's, it's oh yeah like symbolism is always a big part of a final fantasy game like yeah. always but it just seemed like ff16 just it's heavy it in up. this game it yeah ramped it up yeah dude. oh for sure like you even for see sure. like just to just to score more points in the christianity column like you even see yeah. joshua when he's a kid i'll pull up i'll pull up a scene so people can get a visual let uh-huh. me see here let me see here. Where you at, little man? Where you at, little man? There he is. He's got crosses on his shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're right yeah. there. It's right there. Yep. It's right in front of you. Oh, you know? yeah. Yep. Hiding in plain sight, as they say. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's wild. Um, it's 
Yeah. And it's, I'm kind of curious to count. I, I see two. I'm kind of curious to see like how many are well, on there's, there. There's another one. Let me really pull this forward. I gotta. Oh yeah, I gotta for sure, switch for sure. on the um, the throne, the Rosaria throne. We can see it in the scene where Titan breaks it, which is a tough watch. But I think I may have gone too far. Nope, that was just Hugo. We're chilling. I believe on the throne. Okay, I I might have skipped over it. I think I might be going. It's okay. Fast. Anyway, if people people can yeah. take my word for it and look it up after, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure on the Rosarian throne there are crosses as well. Mm. So again, I was gonna say it, it would be kind of wild. It would be kind of wild if he had like three on him to represent like Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or even if he only has two on him, as in like right two parts of the Trinity. He's the third part of the Trinity. Spots, right the two spots you touch with the prayer, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, in Catholicism, yeah. Ex yeah. So that's that's also kind of wild, right? Huh. Did not it's catch anyone, that one. That's just <laughs> dude, there's probably it's so funny like, <laughs> there's so there's much, so dude. much we're not going to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. was also prevalent. I think we touched on like as many as we probably could. I want to Sure. I want to yeah. give the chat their due. And they've been throwing sure. a lot at us, so I want to see if maybe we can catch up let me rewind to the beginning here yeah go for it man see what we got also shout out to big Lufa. i uh i had a spoiler in the thumbnail when i first put this up oh I had, it wasn't like a huge one it was just adult joshua and like maybe yeah that's a spoiler it's a bit of a spoiler <laughs> yeah. you know yeah it doesn't have an arrow saying look joshua's alive but like right you, you could see it in the you face. can tell yeah so the he commented and he was like hey man i love you I'll actually read his comment. Landy, brother, I love you and your content and all, but isn't the thumbnail kind of a spoiler for people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been 16, so I'm not too bothered, but for the sake of the others. And I was like, oh, God, yeah, he's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I swapped it out yeah, for yeah, Clive yeah. instantly. Um, but, you know, maybe after after a year passes, I'll throw Joshua back up as a thumbnail. But anyway, yeah. let's see what we got here. Kevin Ribeiro at one point commented, I think it's what we were talking about, the – um creation and destruction paradigm mm. says evil cannot create it can only corrupt what is good yes spot on yeah and that's exactly what you see like today that's what you, you see that in ff16 right or like oh my gosh like i mean you, yeah like it, it's so spot on that's that's what evil does evil is just it's the absence of good mm -hmm. evil is the just as darkness is the absence of light just as cold is the absence of heat, right? You don't walk into a room that's dark and say, who turned up the darkness in here? Yeah, it's hey, so where are the lights? The light. mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Darkness is just the absence of light. Evil is just the absence of good. Yeah. And it can only like corrupt and destroy. It's not something that creates. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Lindsey Brown comments, diverting a bit. Do you think that Leviathan could have been hidden in the cast based on personality? My guess is it would be mid. She is obsessed with making the best mm. boat, and whenever she shows up, she sweeps in like a tsunami. <laughs> I, mean, I love mid. That's I, so good. I, I think mid was one of those characters that, like, she was such a feel-good character. She brought the second like, half of the hideout to life. Like the yeah, spirit, like the spirit I love of Sid her. lived on with Clive. But I feel like the you, you know, can see uh, Sid in her. Yes. Like, yeah. Like the just personality. Yep. Was mm -hmm. alive. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, she was one of she became one of my favorite like side characters, honestly, mm -hmm. by the end of it, just because like she was always just a joy to be around, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I buy the Leviathan theory, but I like I like where that went. Like that's that's really good. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. And it's any excuse mm -hmm. to bring up mid, I'm about it. But I yeah. guess to maybe answer that question fully, I don't think Leviathan is hidden among the cast because I I think Leviathan's yeah. already been dealt with because you can't. Yeah, they say they call it, they say didn't don't they refer to it uh, as Leviathan the Lost? I believe or is so. that like a yeah yeah yeah. I think he's either been dealt with or something else mm -hmm. is going on with him because he can't show up in the like in a DLC of the future because again the crystals are gone. You know, I don't remember if they if they talked about this or if this was just like a thought. But you know how oh it's in it's in Sambrek. Um, there's like that big area where it's like it's like that massive like kind of like crater and it's like a waterfall that's like all yeah, around it. Yeah, that's where it. the battle of man like man and the gods took place. So I'm wondering if that was like where Leviathan met like their end. You know, maybe Leviathan was let's think about it maybe like this right because they talk about that ancient right. civilization mm -hmm. and maybe leviathan was sort of like let's say the outlaw you know what yeah I mean? like yeah. the outlaw sure. kind of being the leader of the rebellion against the false gods maybe mm -hmm. like leviathan in that age was sort of like the sid clive figure among that civilization yeah. and yeah i mean maybe maybe I yeah mean, water, I, it was just a thought water is, yeah. i mean Hold on, there might be something to that because water is typically associated with the Leviathan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh yeah, well that's kind of where I was. What I was thinking. What you're getting at? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I am. Um, yeah. Is that what kind that. of? Yeah. I could buy into that. What? Kevin Ribeiro says Clive kind of looks like Jesus. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you exactly what Jesus looked like, but I promise you, he's he's not white. So, <laughs> like, like I'll tell you that much. Um, that's really all I got with that one. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, yeah, I mean, a guy, a guy walking around a Middle Eastern desert. I, I would say, I would say, what's his name? Like Ludor or whatever, or what the heck is his name? Uh, not Ludor. Uh, I'm blanking on in uh, Delmechia, a goofy oh. like. What the heck? I'm, I'm blanking on his name. You don't mean not Ludor. Do you? No, not Goots. Okay. The guy who oh, like who ends up being. Remember, he was like uh, he was gonna run for mayor. He ended up being, and then he ends up being like a a uh, a branded, but he didn't tell the people. So like they were like super like yes. upset with him. Yes. And then yes. like he said, oh, like the the monsters are coming, and they're like, we don't believe you, branded or whatever the heck. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, I can't. It starts with an L. I can't remember his name. I can't remember. But I would say I would head. say that guy looks more like would probably look more like Jesus than Clive does. And I'll leave it at that. But yeah. He's got that G he's got that dog in him. Let's he's got see. that dog in him. They're going in right. Blake Husky says they're going in right now. I'd like to know what that what that part was when we were going in. Addison uh, says I, have no I, answered, idea. I answered this in the chat, but they asked, Do we know if Dion died? And I said Dion is presumed dead. Presumed dead. But the yeah. follow-up is juicy. Follow-up is juicy, mm. and I think you and I can maybe go back and forth on it for a sec. We talked about it earlier, but then when I said Dion is presumed dead, they said, like Clive. So where mm. where do you land? And I, I actually like that people seem to be split on this, but where do you land on is Clive dead or alive? 
So initially finishing, like whenever I was I was watching that scene for the first time, I initially was landing on he died. That's like kind of what I was considering. However, after we've been talking, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of could go both ways. Like he ends up on the beach, you know, like I we I don't really know. You know, I, I'd say initially first time watch. I was like, I think I think he died. But um, I like I'm just thinking like, dude, it would be like it would just absolutely wreck me if he was alive and you get like some kind of DLC and then like him and Joe reunite like as the sun is coming up or something, you know, the dawn. Um yeah, I don't really know. I I I can I'll say this, I can see it going both ways. Initially, I did see it as I think he died. But after we've been talking, I'm like, yeah, I can see it going either or. So I'm kind of like not I, sure. I've to just be gotta be honest, and it might it might just yeah. be it might just be I've had a little too much copium. But I really <laughs> think he, I really think he's alive. Because again, we, we talk about what yeah. we were talking about earlier, how I almost think it's this litmus test where if you mm -hmm. think Clive died you're more of a believer in determinism. But if you think he lived, you're more a believer in free will. Cause yeah. you know, there's one thing I noticed too. Characters who tend to die tend to like sort of like presuming their death blood on the mouth. I'm not quite mm. sure that symbolizes yeah, yeah. something, but I just noticed mm. that as a pattern is like bleeding out of your mouth, coughing out blood seem to precede yeah. death in this game a lot seem to be a predictor. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. but with Clive, um, all right, look, out of everything he's been through, after f crashing yeah. down from origin, probably into the waters and washing yeah. on shore, um, after everything that guy's been through, every blow he's taken, I don't think right. he's just going to die passed out on the beach. Like, right. he's not bleeding out. Well, I, I thought what was... We didn't see the petrification yeah. spread. If he does die, right. it's simply due to petrification. That, like, well, that's, that was my initial thought because yeah. I was like, yeah, he survived all this. Yeah, like he's probably going to be petrified if, recall, if he did die when sid overused his powers we saw some petrification on his hand and arm and we saw mm. it was something that he had been dealing with at the later end of his life yeah. so just because your hand is starting to petrify up doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna go but what i think the yeah. reason why i think solely his hand was petrified right because this is a curse but remember this is a mm. curse dependent on ether and bearers and crystals now, why did his hand start to petrify? Because he did that crazy finishing blow that took everything in him. So that yeah. overuse of power brought yeah, that makes sense to his hand. And then yep. when he summons the last of it, it took all of him to summon that last of it. You see it yeah. as a consequence of him using it. That's what yeah. petrifies him. It's not like... Which is amazing to me because I'm surprised his hand didn't just fall off after all of that. <laughs> like, the fact that it, it was he still had a hand after all of that right. is saying a lot. Right, you know? and remember, if they want to sell his DLC, it is his magic casting hand, not his sword-wielding hand. But anyway, anyway. Hey, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Petrified okay. hand, but it spread as a consequence of him using it. But now that magic is gone and he can't use it anymore, there's nothing, there's no, there's no curse anymore. There's no magic yeah. anymore. There's no crystals, no bearers, no dominance. It's all gone. 
the thing that created the curse is now gone. Clive is stuck with it on his hand because the last moments of magic being in this world, he overused it on his hand. Mm. But I think yeah. because the magic is gone, the curse is gone, that petrification is not going to spread. Now, yeah. that's just me trying to take what the game is telling me at face value. I don't know where it goes from there. But right. again, no, I just don't yeah. think he goes yeah, yeah. through everything he goes through. He walk, he washes up on shore. He's not bleeding in the slightest. And yeah. also, like, he's been such a man of free will. Like you said, he mentioned it in that Barnabas cutscene we, we talked about it earlier. Yeah. Even if he was dying and fading out, I don't think for one minute he wouldn't be trying to make it back to the hideout. Like, he wouldn't die. Right. I'm not saying he wouldn't. He would make it back to the hideout safe and sound. But he would die and be petrified crawling his way right back, just based right. on who he's been yeah. you know yeah and because yeah and like jill's there like dude mm -hmm. of course like he's gonna want to try to get back there now, i don't know how like i don't know how a, a dlc would pan out with that like where like what do you do with co like content wise with like a dlc where like oh maybe like clive did survive and like is he like, does he just go back or like, do, do other things happen? Like, I'm kind of curious as like what you were thinking. I think if you were going to do like a Clive DLC, you might have to do it with something that happens in between him destroying origin and him mm. washing up on shore. Mm. You have to do it okay. there. And yeah. then a cut scene would kind of take him home. Yeah. Cause yeah, if you don't have magic and like crystals are gone, there's nothing to fight on your way home, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah. As far as that goes, I guess the last thing I would say, too, is, like, take Jill, for example. Now, in the world where, let's say, Clive did die, mm -hmm. I think Jill would cry for more than 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. I think when she saw that sunrise, it meant something to her, and it's yeah. supposed to mean something to us, the viewer, too. You mentioned that cutscene sure. that you unlock at the end of the game where she's like, mm -hmm. I learned no matter how dark the night gets the dawn always comes and with that yeah. dawn comes you clive yeah so just by the dawn rising and torgal stops howling and whining and jill yeah. starts to smile i i mean i don't know man like i i i know that if i lost my wife it wouldn't be 30 seconds of crying on a balcony and then sure. smiling at a pretty sunrise right you know, sure 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 there'd be a lot more grief than that so i yeah i have a hard time buying into that too also like Metia is disappearing as a consequence of the crystals being gone. Not yeah. of, you know, it's not symbolic of like anybody dying or anything. Right. Or, it was yeah. never tied mm -hmm. to Clive's life. Like, oh, that's mm -hmm. Clive's star. If it goes out, so does Clive. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't really I don't think there's out. anything like that in the game. It, it, it was interesting though that uh, you know that that's the star that they like prayed to mm -hmm. at the beginning, and then like that's the one that goes out at the end. You know. Mm -hmm. um no like i mean as you're talking i'm like yeah like i mean dude it, it, it could and i like that it's kind of open-ended i yeah, feel like some people will kind of see it like you know one way or the other want their happy but, ending bro it's just there's something mm -hmm. in us that really wants it yeah and, but at the same time i take your w's they're kind of leaving it up to you here yeah you know they yeah. really are i agree yep and again, everything with the Harpocrates side quest and the book at the end. I know we're kind of oh, dude, we're kind yeah, of tripping over the ending right now. But I also feel like the ending, right? Okay, like if Joshua is the Jesus figure, was it Jesus that wrote the Bible, Andy? I mean, the Bible we as Christians 
it's I believe it's, it's God, God ordained. But right? It's it the word of by, God. Wasn't it written by the hands right. of disciples? It was written. Well, just I mean, yeah, the new te- so like the New Testament, the Gospels were written by. Um, so Matthew was a disciple. John was a disciple. Um, some of them, like Paul, for example, Paul. Dude, Paul, before he was Paul, he was killing Christians. And he had an encounter with the Lord. And then now he's, he's, he's like the biggest hero of the faith, like right behind Jesus, right? Um, so, and it's, you know, 66 books of the Bible, all written by like, you know, different authors. But you look at the prophecies that are there, and it's like, you, you, are you telling me that like, you know, that there's like, for example, this is, I know I'm going off topic, but like You're in good. Genesis five, the genealogy of Genesis five uh, is insane because every name in Genesis five in that genealogy, the meanings of their names in the original Hebrew, it spells out a, a message literally prophesying the coming of Jesus and the salvation it's it's insane. There's I'll have to send you a video afterwards okay. breaking it down, but it's it's nuts. So like you can't convince me that like authors from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years apart, you know, wrote because you know the Bible was written hundreds and hundreds of years apart, like it's just a collection of books. They all conspired to hide a message of salvation and a genealogy. Like, or they all conspired to like, you know to have you know these to make up these prophecies all for them to come true in the old in the new testament mm-hmm. and all for and for jesus to, to fulfill them and like for the disciples to witness it and to record it it's like you can write it off as a coincidence except guess what there's hundreds of them mm-hmm. thousands of them throughout the bible word of god now with the whole joshua and like you know joshua it, 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 it's penned as joshua right and i think that's so interesting because it's like Penned as Joshua, but if you did the Harpocrates quest, you know it's Clive that wrote that book. Right. In his name. Right. Absolutely. Clive's the one narrating. And so kind of a, a similar, you know, a little bit different, but similar fashion of like, yeah, Clive being the one, you know, it, it's a Clive-ordained book, and it's the account of everything that's happened. Also, um, you just take yeah. for a minute, like, the two kids look like Clive and Joshua. You know, yeah. They've, they've yeah. got the dog. Yeah. like Torgal. Also, like a key thing, I think the reason they did this on purpose, when um, mm-hmm. they made the, they were, they're choosing who's going to be Ifrit, who's going to be Phoenix, and they chose to yeah. make the dog Bahamut. And I think that was actually very ah. purposeful because it ah. shows you whoever wrote that book was fully aware of the end game. You know what sure. I mean? And they're only yep. people that are aware of that have to be Clive, Joshua, and Dion. And I know mm. which one I would bank survived. I know which yeah. one I would bank on between those three. That's true. Like, when did he? And that you know that actually adds more evidence to like why well, I think maybe he did survive because when would he he have had time to write the book if he just died on the beach? Yeah, there's you that. know, and like, he's the only one who jo- could have wrote yes. that book. Joshua was dead. Dion presumed dead, but most likely, like. I yeah, like I believe a hundred percent that he he died. It was just too perfect. It, it was also just too perfect of a way for him to go out yeah. as well for him to just be alive. But yeah, and with the whole Harpocrates quest, 
And like, Vivian too. Vivian too. Like, yeah. There's a Vivian mm-hmm. side quest at the end that I don't think enough people talk about. Where she, you know, Clive says something like, "Well, make sure you document this all in history," and then she goes, mm-hmm. "Well, I can't document it unless you come home safe." Like, mm-hmm. if you right. don't come home, right? I don't know what yeah. happened wherever all that happened. Yeah, you right. know, which that's is good. Crazy to me. And also, yeah. there, there's you've something... sold me on Clive being alive. I've got one more for you. Of that. I've Go got for one it. More for you. Yeah. I, it's mm-hmm. funny. I've been working on a video of this for weeks. It's taking me weeks. But I'm gonna yeah. get it out soon. Um, another thing I got for you. Remember what Jill said to Clive in one of those cutscenes about what they wanted their life to be when this was all over, and they wanted to get away from the twins. And Clive mm. didn't want to just rebuild Rosaria and be a king. Yeah, there was no desire for that. There was a desire to get away and live a simpler life. And when we cut yes. to the future, what do you see? You see a very humble life. They're living out in in some sort of rural area they're making fire with stones you know it's yeah it's that humble life that they longed for yeah yeah that last that final scene at the end mm-hmm. yeah that's good i never really thought about that huh well i mean they should wow. again they, they show it to us for a reason and again you have who the the, the kid who looks a little like clive he has this desire to be ifrit right like it, it's sure it's yeah there, funny you know what i mean and I uh, it was so well me, thought out. And Umbra, if you watch this, Umbra tells me that the mother's voice actor is the same as Jill. I can't find Really? Any. Yeah, that he, this is Umbra, uh. best mod in the game, but he says, he says that the voice actor for the mother is the same as Jill. Uh. If, if anyone Umbra included could point me to where it explicitly says that, I would love to include yeah. that in the video I'm working on, but. That's, that's kind of, that, that's. That's I neither here nor there. See that. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. crazy. There was something else I wanted to say about the book and like this whole idea that like Clive, I guess I get it. It's like, it's almost like that book is the beginning of humanity's free will. Cause mm, now that the crystals are no longer around. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, they don't have that determined fate anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. It's at least how I see it. Um, that's yeah. Let's keep yeah. rolling with the uh, chat. Addison at one point said, "This is honestly starting to remind me of the Master of Masters." I think that's when we were talking about unconscious and conscious, and how like from a Christian mm. perspective, the sins are back here, and it's all about right. We talk maybe they were kind of thinking the foretellers work that way, like the master could be ego, and the foretellers could be the unconscious. I don't know, mm. Addison. If you're still with us, feel free to clarify. Uh, oh, wait, Lindsey Brown followed up shortly after says, talking about consciousness more than Ultima, I think you're definitely on the mark here, given that the Kames antagonist literally contemplates with consciousness and how and how to break it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. like it, it, it kind of sounds like that like Ultima almost didn't, that was the one thing that he didn't have his head wrapped around was consciousness, you know? Because it was and, so much different than his, the nature yeah. Their consciousness was this whole different thing, right? Know? Right. You've got hive mind, but then you've got like individual again, like individual conscious who where everyone's individual consciousness is so different, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah. So that that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I knew someone was gonna bring up Persona. Kevin says in Persona, that's how they control their shadows. They have to face them and everything they're trying to avoid or are scared of. 
Yeah, that's especially in Persona 4. Persona 4 is a little more on the nose. Persona 5 plays it as like, this is the part of their personality they're suppressing. Yeah. I think Makoto's the best example of that. She's the she's the yeah. girl, class president, school girl, does as she's told. But who is yeah, she? Yeah, but really? underneath, she's biker queen. chick. She's the biker <laughs> chick queen. Yeah, you yeah, she's the she queen. Or yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Um, let's see what else we got. Addison says, didn't Clive's voice actor say voicing Clive changed his life? Um, yeah, I, I definitely remember that seeing that. Yeah, yeah. Because he was going through, I think, a time where I could be wrong, so don't quote me on this, but I think he was dealing with like the passing of his dad or something. Yeah, that was it. Uh, yeah, and um, yeah, he was eight. Like, there are, I'm, I don't, I'm pretty sure he said that, like, in some scenes, like, he was not acting. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it was like, well, and you, you can hear it. The grave, you ever what? visit the gravesite? Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. that was beautiful, dude. Man. I could yeah. feel it. I could feel it. Oh, there was another scene. Oh, I'm trying to remember when it was. I think it was earlier on in the game. Um, it might have actually been in like the Infernal Shadow Struggle, but they're like the way that whenever he's like, oh yeah, it is, it is because he says I, I, I. I did this. Like, I killed him. And the way that he says it, I'm like, whoa. Like, do you want me to? <laughs> it's so funny. I randomly jumped. You know, I have like different cuts. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Are you going to play it? Ifrit cut. I, I could play it right now if you want. Sure. Play it, man. Play it. Let me hop yeah. back. Let me hop back like just a few seconds. Perfect. You're good. Dude, it's so intense. the way dude so intense bro it's so intense honestly that's, that's like so th that's some of the best acting that i've seen i was just gonna like, say like in, one a, thing, in a video game one thing you can yeah. say about this game is at least as far as final fantasy goes this was the best voice acting in any final oh one thousand percent easily control, dude oh yeah come yeah. a long way come a long wow. way uh, Kevin Ribeiro says Clive and Lightning feel like two sides of the same coin as Benavilza and Ultima. Maybe they meant Bene I don't know what you mean by Benavilza, Kevin. And Ultima are oh Benavilza is from Lightning Returns. I believe so anyway. And Ultima are false gods claiming they know what's right for all humanity. Even their plan was the same. I am not very familiar on the 13 trilogy. I've only played 13. I've never I've never played 13, so I'm I'm also unfamiliar. People are too hard on that game, man. People are too hard on it. That's what I've what I've heard. <laughs> uh, let's see. Once another Decidia. Here we go. I love Clive's last name, Rossfield. It reminds me of the Furion, the hero of FF2. He wanted to bring hmm. hope and light back to his people, and he does that. And uh, typos all over the end of that. Okay. Sorry, Kevin. Would have read yeah. that otherwise. Addison says, Landy, you were right on the mark with my comment about the Master of Masters. Okay, so I did, did get that right. That's when we were talking about um, foretellers kind of being the unconscious and the master being the ego and how they're currently separated. Um, cool. All right. That uh, catches us up on chat. Andy, yeah. was there, is there anything left running around your mind? I'm in no rush here. So, like, Dang, man. I got mean, left. 
Bro, we we went for like two hours, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think we covered a lot. I uh, I can't really think of anything else outside of just like again, like just stuff we brought up earlier. There's a lot of like, there's a dude. This game is deep. Like at Very the end of the day, this game is really deep. And um, you know, I I, I rarely have time to do second playthroughs of games nowadays. But I'm I'm doing a second playthrough currently of this game, and like. You know, you start to see it more and more, and then you start to kind of, uh, yeah, you start to see, you start to see it more and more. Honestly, there's um, just so much. It's yeah, there there's a lot, and we covered a lot today. We covered a ton, so oh, I we got think into I'm it, man. <laughs> yeah, we I think I'm it. good. Kevin uh, says yes. There are basically confirming there are crosses on the throne. Cool on the cool. Rosefield throne. That's interesting. Cool. That is a uh, interesting. Okay. Um, I think, I think that's gonna wrap us up. I um, this was a great conversation, dude. I uh, I always enjoy this doing is fun. You. Yeah, man. I mean, thank you for having me in the lodge again, dude. Like, I, this is always a fun time. I love talking about games and just getting into the and getting into some of the deeper meanings of them. You well, know. Well, dude. I mean, you we but, you yeah. earned a. A, a FF16 follow-up, you know what I mean? After that, <laughs> yeah, let me tell here we you are. You know what the worst part about making like YouTube theories and being right is? Is whenever I'll tell you what it is because this happened to me, not with Final Fantasy 16 because I don't, I didn't really make pre-FF16 content, but like when people will comment on the video, being like, "Dude, you were right," and it's like, you get I haven't even played the game yet. yet. Dude, like that happened to me. That yep, happened to me with yep. It's like, bro. I was like, yeah. no. I but I'll say, you know, <laughs> you know what's almost worse? That that's probably the worst. But you know what's almost worse uh. is you don't really get to take a victory lap. Yeah. Because like, right. I could post it everywhere. I was right. Com. But it's like, well, great. I'm just gonna spoil it for a bunch of people. Sure. You know what I mean? Right. You almost yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You don't get to have your little. Uh, but by the time I can like say like yo look I called this yo look I called that people will be like yeah but I'm playing Rebirth dude like who cares <laughs> it's already 2024 dude like we're already on to the about next FF16 thing 16 predictions like what's wrong with you that's amazing who didn't so know Torgal was gonna be Fenrir come on bro yeah dude I was I'll tell you one thing there was one thing that I would have loved to see at the end and I would have loved to see like like Torgal, like fully prime full Fenrir, like, like full Fenrir. Like, dude, just give me like one, like, like uh QTE, like moment of Torgal fighting Ultima or something like as a fully prime Fenrir, man, I would have lost my mind. That was like the one thing I'm like, man, I wanted that is something again. It was like a, not really expecting it, but I'm like, oh, dude, that would have been really cool. Like, hit. really cool. That would have hit. Man, yeah. No, mm. they, they they discovered something special with these icon battles, especially. Mm. Uh, I, I imagine that now that they have a system for this and mm. something to build on, we're going to see a lot of uh, kaiju battles out of Square Enix now. Oh, like, yeah. They just have, they yeah. have the system... This, yeah. Honestly, to me, like I'm someone who I really enjoyed the combat, but I have to me say, too. fighting as if it was my favorite. I agree. Yeah, it wasn't anything like super mechanical or like, oh, like 
you know, skill issue. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you're not, it, it was just like, it was fun. Yeah. It's, it was simple. It like, you have like pretty much Dude, the you, same controls as you do. Were you a Godzilla do. fan growing up? Not growing up, but like when I, um, high school going into college, I started to get into like a little bit of like the, the Godzilla, monsterverse. the God, the, the Zillapedia, the if you will. Right. Dude, growing up, I loved Godzilla. Like I had, oh, yeah. I, I wish I never got rid of him. Maybe my parents preserved him. I'm hoping, but I have all the like old Japanese VHS tapes. Wow. Like the bad lip syncing in the subtitles. Yeah. Like, dude, I was obsessed with Godzilla and like I played some of these Godzilla video games that have come out throughout the years but like mm -hmm. playing as Ifrit to me was like it almost awoke that kid in me that loved Godzilla so yeah. much dude you know? like the Bahamut fight was literally Godzilla versus King Ghidorah dude, <laughs> like yeah, that's what it was <laughs> like like and it was awesome it was so good yeah dude gotta be yeah. my favorite fight in the game was the Bahamut fight. yeah Gar Garuda <laughs> felt like Godzilla and Mothra to be honest yeah. like yeah, like it was Bahamut a hundred percent was the best fight in the game. Yeah. For me. But personally. you know something though? Titan is a closer second for me than I think. Yeah. I think on a spectacle standpoint, Titan was like dude, the moment that got me funny enough, it wasn't even like the massive Titan loss moment. It was like after that when you're falling yes. and you're still fighting. I'm like, oh, what is this yes. game right bro, now? Bro. Like, are you serious? Oh, man. It was King Kong versus Godzilla. That's what it was. That's what that, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Were you disappointed that we didn't really get like an Odin Ifrit showdown? Where do you come out on that? Uh, so that's so hard. It's like a little bit, but at the same time, I think it kind of balanced itself out by giving us one of the best like humanoid fights in the game, to be honest. And I think Clive and Barnabas were such a contrast of one another that uh, it, it, they had to fight in that form. Yeah, yeah, and because like initially I was like, man, you know, I would have wanted to do like a little more with with Efreet, you know, against Odin, but like. With what they gave us, I'm like, man, like I'm pretty happy with it, you know. Yeah, me too. I, um, because I agree with you because I mean, even down to their color scheme, yes. black and red versus the black and like indigo or dark blue or whatever Barnabas was like. And think yeah. about it: if you take Clive and Jill and Sid away from not Clive, if you take Jill and Joshua and mm -hmm. Sid and Torgal away from Clive, he ends up like Barnabas. What was Barnabas's yeah. problem? He never really had anyone like that. Dude, was... I really thought at one point, I really thought at one point that they were going to be related. <laughs> and it was going to be like a battle of kings or like I a mean, battle dude, of brothers or something. The way Clive's mom was sleeping around. Honestly. Yeah. Could have been. So. Could have been. Yeah. Could have been. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Seven Heart says, need that Leviathan DLC immediately. That seems to be the most popular demand. People want a Leviathan yeah. DLC. Um, Dude, I'm, bro, I want, give me like, do it like FF15. Give me episodes. Give me, me episode Jill. Give me episode Sid. Give me episode Joshua. Like all that time that we missed out on with these characters, like fill in the, like, I want to see those gaps. Like even go as far as like episode Barnabas. <laughs> like, you know, like, honestly, I mean, that would be, that's what I would like them to do. Uh, honestly, any DLC that they throw out for this game, I'll eat that up. 
and they know it. it. They know it. Yeah. They're gonna do a little FF14 work first, but then we'll yeah. get we'll mm -hmm. get that DLC real quick. Speaking of which, Lindsey Brown says DLC is just the game, but you play as Torgal. And now, <laughs> you imagine, <laughs> and now Clive oh, is D-pad. You give Clive Dude, that's, the D-pad. That's wild. You know what's funny? Uh, kind of off topic, but again, I was listening to our previous podcast, and I, you were talking about how um, the uh, you know I really hope we get like strong AI if we're only going to be controlling Clive. But honestly, like after like playing the game, it's like. Because the AI don't even really feel like they're there, like, to be honest. But I'm kind of glad it was that way. Because you have so much that you can do with Clive. It almost feels like giving more commands would be, like, too, too much. much. Well, you I know? think, too, like, one thing I did appreciate with the AI is it <clears throat> made a, um, how do you put it? It made a point not to target whoever you were targeting. If there were multiple, basically, if, they, yeah. if you were in a mob <clears throat> fight, and you were targeting one character, Jill, mm -hmm. Sid, Torgal, they would target other characters in the mob yeah. to stay They're out They're always on party attack, right? Yeah. In Kingdom Hearts 2 terms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Kevin Ribeiro says he is a million percent on board to play as Barney. Yeah. Play as King Barney, excuse me. King Barney. Right. Can't disrespect King Barney. But uh, yeah, I think... Um, I think we could wrap it up here. We are at like two hours and 10 minutes. Uh, a long one. Yeah. You want to uh, let people know what you got going on before we wrap it up? Yeah, sure. So in case you guys are wondering, I do have my entire live playthrough of Final Fantasy 16 on my YouTube channel. So you can check out all my streams there. Um, I have a couple of like other videos, you know, just of like moments that I uploaded separately, you know, for people to find. If you don't, if you are looking for something specific, you don't want to watch a whole stream, I get it. <laughs> so I do that. I do that sometimes, you know, depending on if I have time and like the, and like the content. Um, so yeah, um, my whole FF16 playthrough is on there. Uh, in terms of me right now, I mean, I'm working. I'm working on uh, a Final Fantasy. I'm gonna. I'm writing the script for a a gospel according to FF16 video. I mean, dude, you have um, you have the wealth yeah, of knowledge. We, we we talked about a lot of it in this podcast, and so I do I do want to put that in video form at some point in the future. Um, I recently started uh, my first playthrough of Final Fantasy X, so we are doing that right now. Another game that I am, you know, I'm three streams in. I'm it's becoming one of my favorites already from. I told all the biblical you stuff I alone. Bet the lodge. Yeah. I told you. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a safe bet. What can I say? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I got going on in terms of just me. Uh, we just hit 1K on Twitch. Let's so go. that's that's awesome. So I'll be planning some kind of stream sometime soon. And you know, we do a variety of things. I'm I play I'm playing some Kingdom Hearts as well. We're doing a platinum trophy run of the of the series kind of casually um so yeah you know a lot of things we do over here where i'm at on my on my little corner of the internet so if that interests you i mean hey that's where i'm at <laughs> so there you go if that interests you you all know where to find him mm -hmm. i've got his link in the title link in the description you guys know how it goes at this point uh andy always a pleasure talking to you i think i think we always make for great conversation when we kind of dive into these like symbolisms and it's like, all the deep all stuff, the deep <laughs> yeah, stuff, dude. Because again, I think yeah. you and I both have uh, a plethora of knowledge about different mm -hmm. things. 
know yeah. what I mean? And I think that's what makes these super fun because I learn a lot from like what you, what you tell me, dude, li- you know, likewise, or what, what you bring up, you know? And so it's, it's always, it's always a good time. So dude. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like I, I, I want to say I do it. I do it for y'all, the audience, but no, I talk to Andy for selfish reasons. I want to, <laughs> I want to learn more about all these things. It is completely self-preserving, self-motivating. I'm not going to. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, on that note, we're going to very mythos of you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Anyway, on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Everybody. We, um, we got another episode coming on Sunday. Uh, I guess I can let, if everyone's here, if you, you deserve it. If you made it to the two hour, 11 minute mark of this podcast, you deserve to know this. If you're watching live, you deserve to know this on Sunday. Mm. We're having regular Pat on. We're talking about the child of destiny in kingdom hearts. I'm also going to pick his brain on his love for Kingdom Hearts 1 because I think it is, uh, I think because so much of the conversation right now is like KH3 versus KH2. I feel like right. KH1 isn't getting the... Kingdom, Kingdom the Hearts 1, if I to. may, yeah. Kingdom Hearts 1 is like the Ava of like, uh, yeah, don't get involved in any battles. Forget <laughs> yeah. about, you know, go make your own union, all right? Like that's, and I'm, and I'm here for it, you know? Like, <laughs> Dude, it's... You know, at the end of the day, whatever you feel about it, it's the game that started everything. And if it wasn't a classic to begin with, then it would have never caught on in the way it did. But anyway, we got more of that coming on. I swear I'm going to get that FF16 video out to you guys about the ending, making my case in a little bit more of a neatly packaged way for Clive's survival. Because I I do believe that to be the definitive ending. If I'm wrong, I'll wear it on my shirt. Yeah. 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 I'm with um, you. Dude, lots of lots of good stuff coming. But anyway, I'm I'm done yapping. I, I'm not gonna stop if I just keep going. So thanks for hanging out, everybody. Andy, thanks for coming on. And we will thanks talk to you me. all next time.